to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, the Speeder, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, and you can check the listings as you can check us out every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. as we are live Right now in color. Speedy, what's up, man? In addition to being the uh, 2023, the third month, it is also the uh, Palodrome Day, 3-2-23. So you could enjoy that for the uh, one of the, I guess, nine days it happens this year. How wonderful. 3-2-2-3. Isn't that wonderful? Speedy gave us some good information which we'll never use, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it's not, it's not going to happen until uh, 4 3 so uh, 11 years from now. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, if if you want to keep that on your calendar, you know, 11 years from now, then you do that. And you can remember Speedy telling uh, you that. I don't know if they sell calendars for 2034 yet. Oh, 11 years from now, how old will I be, Speedy? You will be 52. <laughs> 52 years old, I would be a very old man. I'd be a geezer. Well, I'm getting close to being a geezer, as I am 40 years old, going so, to be 41 next month. Now, the real question is, mm-hmm. Kenny, who chases geese, mm. when, he, when, he, when, when he's that age, would he be a geezer or a geezer? I would say he's a geezer no matter what. Okay. <laughs> geezer wouldn't work for him. Geezer works better for him. So. There you go. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense for Kenny. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for me. No. You do not chase geese. No, but that would be good for me. I think that would give me that adrenaline rush that I always need. And maybe because I haven't played sports in a while or I haven't been in shape enough to get on a basketball court or an ice rink or even playing football or flag football, whatever that is, because of my surgeries, maybe I'll chase geese. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll become an Olympic sport. Yeah, it's five years removed from that uh, basketball game that was supposed to happen with you and uh, mm. Matty Caps and the Beeb. Oh, and and Tony Rubo. <laughs> and Tony Rubo, yes. And Vinny Rubo, two guys that uh, like to uh, talk a lot of crap and never showed up to prove themselves on a basketball court, including Matty Caps. But uh, <laughs> you know, my, Mike, aka the Beef, has been threatening me that he's going to beat me one on one, and it never happened. So, oh yeah, there's also that, and there's also there's also his claim that he can win in a fight. <laughs> well, he just kids around with that. I, I do not believe that, aka the Beef, thinks he could take me in a fight. But that's just a whole nother story. At ten o'clock. We will be talking to NHL.com media producer Rob Top. He is a fan of the show and a friend of this show, so he'll be joining us as he is a big Islander fan. He used to write for the Islanders, and now he works for the NHL 
on NHL.com. Uh, at 10 th- at, at 10.30, th- <laughs> we'll be talking to host of Top Shelf Hockey Cast and longtime NHL and Islander writer, B.D. Galloff. So he'll be joining us. We're looking forward to having B.D. on the show. He is an Islander guy, another Islander guy. I'm sure listening to these two guys and going over what the Islanders have done or not done yet, uh, being that the trade deadline is one more day away at 3 p.m. on Friday to be over, and uh, selling me Engvall is not enough for me. So uh, if you're a Lou Lamorello fan, you might be dipping your head in the sand or being like an ostrich and hiding yourself head first in the ground. An ostrich. Maybe that's only yeah. the next thing Kenny will chase. Well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? All right, well, we'll, we'll have to ask Kenny I mean, next as time a, he calls. What do, you, what do you consider chasing an ostrich? As an Islander fan, I wouldn't be so happy when you see the Rangers get Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, seriously. Especially since they were, like, the favorite for, like, a year and a half to get Tarasenko. <laughs> I, I know. Please. And I don't want to hear Lula Morello say, we'll go after him in the offseason. That doesn't help me right now. It doesn't help the Islanders right now. But that's a whole nother topic. Uh, ESPN Diana Russini reports that the Jets seem like the favorite or the main favorite on landing Aaron Rodgers. We've been saying this for a while. As we all know, the Raiders have stepped away from making a move for the veteran quarterback. Jalen Carter charged with reckless driving and racing charges in connection to deaths from a Georgia player and a staff member. So uh, we will get into that as he showed up at t- uh, he showed up to the combine and really didn't do much. No, he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, where does he land in the draft this year as he's probably the best pass rusher going into the draft? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about day one of the NFL combine. Uh, commander's minority owner and accused Dan Schneider of misusing a $55 million loan. Uh, Dan Schneider's in a lot of trouble. Uh, We will get into the two guys that are favorite of landing the team of the Commanders. Uh, Our friend Bezos, who runs, uh, you know, Amazon, and Mr. Harris. So those two guys, the NFL and ownership will be sitting down this weekend and speaking about Bezos and Harris. And uh, maybe we'll find out in the next couple of weeks who's the new owner of the commanders as they want Mr. Schneider out as an owner, as well as everybody does. Everybody should. Uh, Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman calls out GM Eric DeCosta for comments made about Ravens wide receivers and Lamar Jackson. Uh Oh, this doesn't sound good for the Ravens. And maybe it doesn't sound good for Lamar Jackson staying over there because their number one wide receiver who, by the way, couldn't stay healthy this year and couldn't stay healthy in his rookie season is complaining about the GM and ownership. So uh, this will be interesting. Bruins signed David Pastanak. Pastanak, by the way, I always call him Pastanak, but (laughs) Pastanak uh, to an eight year, $90 million contract averaging 11.25 million per year as he is one of the higher paid offensive talents in the NHL. And Charles Barkley takes shots at today's NBA players and uh, obviously management saying we're paying bums in today's NBA. So uh, as uh, he said some interesting things about Kevin Durant joining another super team, and we will get into that a little bit later in the show. So why don't we get into it? Because 
Uh, it seems like Aaron Rodgers is the talk of the town. He is always the talk of the town. As if you're a Jet fan and you're sitting here today, you can't be upset hearing uh, Rusini, uh, Diana Rusini, speaking about the New York Jets as they're the number one team to land Aaron Rodgers. Diane Rossini quoted, I believe the New York Jets are the number one team coming out of the gate for Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers said after the darkness retreat, I spent parts of a couple of days imagining what it would be like to retire and then imagining what it would be like to continue to play. Rodgers said about Brett Favre's offseason before signing with the Jets in 2008. I remember before Favre retired, there were times in April and May we weren't sure if he was going to come back because he didn't come to any of the offseason programs. Then in 2008, he actually did retire in March and then said, no, no, no. In June after OTAs, I actually want to come back and play. So Aaron Rodgers remembers the whole Brett Favre version. And now Aaron Rodgers sitting and I guess you can say doting in uh, wondering if he should come back or retire. Now, he had a chance to be the host of Jeopardy at one point. He decided to come back and play football. He didn't have one of those crazy seasons this year, maybe because of the talent, maybe because he took $50 million uh, off the cap uh, and they invested it into a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Nevertheless, this Green Bay Packer team is not even close to a playoff team without Aaron Rodgers. Now, Jordan Love is a guy that they actually believe in. They actually want to see what he's capable of doing on a football field, being that this is his fifth year. He's been backing up Aaron Rodgers. By the way, he played well in the one game he showed up uh, this season. I think it was against the Eagles in the second half. Yeah, he was great in the second half. And uh, he played well against the Eagles, but that's not enough to really sell anybody that Jordan Love is the future of this organization. I do believe Aaron Rodgers has another two to three years left in the league if he wants to play. The question is, does he want to play? And I don't know what the Jets are thinking right now. Now, everything that we've heard is that Woody Johnson went down to the Combine. Derek Carr, his family, his agent are going to meet up with Robert Sala. Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson, they're going to talk about maybe bringing Derek Carr in. Derek Carr did speak and did talk to the Jets about Zach Wilson, one of their plans with Zach Wilson moving forward if he decides to sign with the Jets. That's something I definitely want to hear from Derek Carr when he makes that decision because nobody knows what the Jets want to do with Zach Wilson. Nobody. I don't even think Zach Wilson knows what Zach Wilson wants to do with the New York Jets because he just likes to speak and say stupid things when he's not on the field. Whatever he is thinking, he'll probably think it's not his fault. <laughs> or blame somebody else. Yep. So, and, and that seems to be the problem right now for the young quarterback, not taking responsibility uh, throughout the season when he didn't play well, blaming other players, blaming other teammates, or maybe not even taking initiative as, as a leader of the team when you're the quarterback. Aaron Rodgers respects Zach Wilson. Do I think bringing in a guy like Aaron Rodgers would help the growth of Zach Wilson more than Derek Carr? Absolutely. If Derek Carr is going to be brought in by the New York Jets, it's bye-bye, Zach. Because 
Derek Carr in the beginning of this season will be 32 years old. He will probably sign a four, possibly five-year deal with whoever he decides to go and play with. Aaron Rodgers, to me, would be the perfect fit for the New York Jets. He's the best quality quarterback that is available, even over Lamar Jackson, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr. He is the best quarterback available right now. If the Jets could land him and not have to give up a significant boatload of picks for him, the Jets are put in a very good position. Honestly, if the Jets are the only one on the board right now, they don't have to give up a first-round draft pick for Aaron Rodgers. Because right now, if you look at the list of teams that they have to trade him to, there's no more Las Vegas because we've heard what Josh McDaniels and the GM of Vegas have said. They are not interested, and I believe they're not. Have fun with Anthony Richardson. <laughs> now you're hearing all of a sudden Carolina wants to reach out to Grant Green Bay. That's not happening. Why would Aaron Rodgers want to go and play in Carolina right now? It doesn't make sense. Carolina is not ready to win right now. They have some good talent, not great young talent. And they their defense, which played well last year, they're not a top five defense. So you sit here today, and if you're a Jet fan, yeah, you would want Aaron Rodgers. But now, if you look at Derek Carr and what Derek Carr is asking for, you're hearing between 35 and $41 million a year. That's an affordable contract for a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. When we are seeing quarterbacks right now make about $48, $50 million, getting extensions. Lamar Jackson wants closer to $50 million. Next year, they're going to ask for $50 million or more because of the new Amazon contract and the new Amazon in you know, I guess, advertisement and endorsements that Mr. Bezos is going to be giving to the NFL. Future Washington Commanders owner, Jeff Bezos? Yes. Mm-hmm. And what are they going to do with that now? Because if he becomes an owner, now I have heard that he is not, I guess, the CEO anymore of Amazon. He's, he gave the rights away. Sure. He's still partial owner. What are they? What are they going to do with Bezos if he does become an owner of the Washington Commanders. Does he sell it off to be, just to become uh, the Washington Commanders owner? I don't know. He might sell off some. I don't think he'll sell all of it. I don't know. But getting back to Rodgers, Joe Klecko, now going into the Hall of Fame Joe Klecko, thinks that, and I, I'll repeat what he said, I don't think Rodgers is a fit with the young guys. I relate this to myself with a young team that came up when we started winning. Why it was a good fit for all of us was because we all worked together and came up together. Aaron Rodgers is a 39-year-old quarterback. He's a quarterback that honestly believes he has maybe a year or two left in the NFL and wants to move on with his career. He's going to be making closer to $59 million this year. Now, the Jets could negotiate that deal with Aaron Rodgers and his agent to spread it out in three to four years if Aaron Rodgers wants to do that. But that's up to Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets have to give up something to land Aaron Rodgers. I don't think a first-round draft pick. I know everybody keeps saying that, but if the Jets are the only team on the list, why do the Jets have to give up a first-round draft pick? 
Who are they outbidding? Who are they bidding against? Everybody thought it was going to be Vegas. I can't see Vegas now coming out and saying, well, we're interested in Aaron Rodgers again. That's not happening. I mean, unless they're doing it just to reduce the price, but I don't know. I don't know if the Packers are going to buy into that, too, because the Packers have already kind of dug themselves a hole, too. One, they were going to get max value trading him last year. They didn't do that as it was. They signed him to $50 million. They tried it one more year, and they didn't make the playoffs and lost a lot of other pieces. They're going to be losing a lot of other pieces this year. And two, they already made the proclamation, we're not going to trade him to the NFC. So that eliminates, like you were saying, teams like the Panthers, teams like Tampa that might have been seeking for a quarterback. And then a team like the 49ers, which Rodgers grew up a Niners fan. Now he has a grudge with them because he didn't draft him, whatever. But still, at the right price, he might consider it. If the, 40, if the 49ers had a quarterback position open, he goes to the 49ers. I know. Uh, still, I, I would imagine Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to cement that legacy to get with one more Super Bowl. That's as good of a chance which, as you're going to get with that. Which kind of, if you look at the position they're in right now, Purdy might not play until the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Might not play at all next year. Yep. And Trey Lance hurting his ankle or his foot last year and he's out for the season. Is he going to be 100%? And you know Jimmy Garoppolo is not coming back. Nope. So, maybe Aaron Rodgers to the 49ers. That would make sense. One year, one hurrah, one chance to win a, a Super Bowl with the team that he grew up rooting for with Joe Montana and Steve Young, two of his favorite quarterbacks. It would make a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers to go to the 49ers. The question is, does Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch want him? And the question is, is that they will they make the money work to make it happen too? That's they, another thing because they have a lot of they're right on the brink of the cap too. They have a lot of talent. Yes, Keith, you're right. Forty ers have no money. Right, they're right on the brink of the cap too. Their roster is pretty set. Like they don't have any significant holes, but like they still will have to shed some good players. Like we were talking about with the Saints too. They're going to shed some good players. Peter King said something very interesting about the contract and the one year left uh, on his contract. If Uh, If the Jets decide to make a move for him. Carolina, there are stories coming out that they could be interested. I I cannot see Carolina. Now, I've heard Indianapolis would be a very good fit for Aaron Rodgers. But does Aaron Rodgers want to go to Indianapolis with a rookie coach? That doesn't make sense. What makes sense right now, if you look at the big picture and the position that Aaron Rodgers is in, is he could decide, hey, I want to go and play for the team that I've always wanted to play for. The team that should have drafted me at number one instead of um, another quarterback. The fact is, when you look at the New York Jets and you look at the position that they're in, are they a win-now team? That's the question. And only Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and that new coaching staff believes or should believe they are. Are the Jets willing to give up a significant amount of draft capital and money to a quarterback that is unsure if he even wants to play football? Now, we've seen the Jets do this before. As we heard Aaron Rodgers say, Brett Favre, the quarterback that he took over for in Green Bay, The same quarterback that decided to retire and come back and play for the New York Jets because he wanted to play for Minnesota, but Minnesota didn't want him. And then he he gets hurt. 
He retires again, comes back, and plays for Minnesota. You look at where Aaron Rodgers is in his career. A lot of people believe if he wants to be compared as one of the greatest or the greatest amongst talented quarterbacks of this era, he needs to win another Super Bowl. Peyton Manning won two. Ben Roethlisberger won two. Tom Brady won seven. We could go up and down the list of quarterbacks. Drew Brees won one. And and even though Drew Brees' numbers show that he's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of, of all time, he only won one. And that takes away how good Drew Brees was. Because everybody talks about, it's not about how many yards he throws, how many touchdowns he throws, how many top-end players he played with. Nobody cares. All they care about is Super Bowl championships. And Aaron Rodgers is sitting on one since 2010. That's over 13 years. And this guy has won how many MVPs in those 13 years? Three. Three MVPs. He's been as elite of a quarterback that you could possibly be. And you sit here, and I know, I'm sitting here as a Jet fan, and I'm wondering which way the Jets should go. Is it Derek Carr? Is it Lamar Jackson? Is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it Ryan Tannehill? Or is it Aaron Rodgers? If you look at the path and what the Jets have followed over the years, they go after the veteran quarterback that can't stay healthy, who had a mouth wherever he played, and eventually fails to take the Jets where they wanted that quarterback to take them. And some quarterbacks that uh, like uh, getting punched in the face by their teammates and other quarterbacks like the hot dogs on the sidelines. And there's other quarterbacks like to see ghosts. Neil O'Donnell, a quarterback that took the Steelers to the Super Bowl the year before, then becomes a free agent. The Jets sign him and didn't even take the Jets to the playoffs. That's a quarterback that they brought in thinking, hey, we're going to bring in a veteran quarterback that's taken a team to a Super Bowl. By the way, had one of the best defenses in all of football. And failed with him. As a matter of fact, the guy, I don't even think he won more than five or six games with the Jets. That was with Parcells coaching too? or was he? It was before Parcells, I think. Yes. I was going to say, that would even help it further if that was the case, but even so. When Parcells came, he brought Vinny Testaverde in, and he had Chad Pennington. He drafted Chad Pennington. Yeah, so that was a little after that, because Neil O'Donnell's Super Bowl was 96 with the Steelers when they got blown out by Dallas. He he came in 97, and then a half of 98, or a quarter of 98, when they brought in Bill Parcells, and then he brought in Vinny Testaverde. Vinny Testaverde won the job, and Neil O'Donnell was gone. And they went to the AFC Championship game that year, too. They lost to the Broncos. In that AFC Championship. Game. Yes, I remember that. So they did that. They also tried it with uh, another quarterback that won a very random playoff game against the Steelers in 2011, and uh, in Tim Tebow, and he didn't even be the starter. <laughs> Good job, Jets. If you look at all the quarterbacks they've brought in, Brett Favre, another quarterback we just spoke about, he he couldn't get through the season with the Jets. Mm-hmm. 
He hurts himself against the Patriots when they were 8-3 and three going to New England on a Thursday night football game and then hurts his arm, says he's not hurt, and absolutely screws the season up for the New York Jets. The Jets fall apart. They lose like, I think, three or four games in a row. Four or five to end the season. And just completely bombed. And you could go up and down the list. I don't have the list in front of me right now. If you look at all the veteran quarterbacks that the Jets thought bringing them in would help them get over the mountain, they didn't even get close to over the mountain. They tried Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had the best chance, 10-6. and six, But even that game, they lost at the end of the season to Buffalo. So what makes any Jet fan think that Aaron Rodgers is the guy? I'll tell you why, as a Jet fan, why I want Aaron Rodgers. It makes a lot of sense, and you guys could sit here and you can ponder on this. Aaron Rodgers could still play another three years. Aaron Rodgers is still in great shape. Aaron Rodgers could still move inside and out of the pocket and make throws on every level. Aaron Rodgers was a game away from taking that Green Bay Packers team to the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers has won two MVPs in the last four years on a Green Bay Packer team, let's be honest, is no good. Aaron Rodgers lost his coach who goes to, obviously gets fired, goes to the Cowboys, brings in a rookie coach in Matt LaFleur, and takes Matt LaFleur and arguably makes the, what was it, Matt LaFleur's first or second year the number one team in the NFC. They lose against San Francisco in a winter storm. And everybody throwing Aaron Rodgers under the bus that he's no good anymore. That it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. When they've had one good wide receiver... In the last five or six years. You want, to, you want to blame somebody specific. I never want to blame the special teams. How about you, Matt LaFleur, who only gave Aaron Jones one target and Devontae Adams one target in the second half? I think if you look at what Aaron Rodgers could do, he doesn't have to be the Aaron Rodgers for, you know, MVP. He doesn't need to be the MVP talent that we have seen him be year in and year out. He doesn't have to be that. He needs to be efficient. He doesn't need to throw interceptions, what the Jets quarterbacks have known to do year in and year out. If he's as efficient as he was last year, what did he throw? 11 interceptions? I think it was 12, and he had uh, 26 touchdowns. If he throws 12 interceptions for the whole year, the Jets are a playoff team. They're a playoff team. Jets quarterbacks had 14 interceptions with only 15 touchdowns last year. Combined. With the talent that the Jets have on this roster, offensively, Aaron Rodgers should take this team into the playoffs. Now, if the Jets are making a move like this, it's not just making the playoffs. It's going all the way. It's beating the teams in that same division. The Josh Allens. The Bill Belichicks. The Miami Dolphins. I say Miami because I don't know who. Do, do I want to call them Tua's? 
Do I want to call him Tyreek Hillis? Well, uh, somebody of Aaron Rodgers, uh, somebody that was Aaron Rodgers' backup quarterback said that Miami's the second team to think he'll go to all of a sudden. I don't know. That's going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is not going to Miami. I don't, I don't know. That's going to happen. Same thing with the Niners. They don't have any draft stocks. So. The only thing that makes sense for Miami to go after is Lamar Jackson. Right. That's the only thing that makes sense. And do does Miami have enough money to make that move? They have enough money. Do they have enough draft stock, though? Because they lost the first-round pick. They traded another one for Bradley Chubb. So they're going to have to trade him in the distant future, which means you'll probably have to trade more. And is that going to be worth it? Well, that's, that's the interesting thing when you look at the fact that Aaron Rodgers is available. When was the last time you remember a quarterback uh, as good as Aaron Rodgers to be available uh, yes, it's at the end of his career, but still could play at the top of his game. When was the last time we saw this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even, even we talked about Peyton Manning earlier. Even him was off the neck injury. So, they, like when he well, was Peyton available, Manning, a lot of people didn't believe he was coming back. I know that, and the, a lot of people weren't sure how he would come back too. Nobody expected. Him to oh, play they as said well. steroids, and that was the whole thing. We had yeah, that on HGH, the show. Yeah. We we had we had that on the show for for what more than a couple of weeks when it was going on, uh-huh. and that he his wife was having something. You know, sent over from UPS, and he was doing steroids and whatever, HGH, whatever, human growth hormone. I don't okay. know. I don't know what it was. Who cares? The fact is, the last quarterback to still have the ability to throw the ball and play good football at the top of his game in free agency was Tom Brady. Was Tom Brady. And what did Tom Brady go? He goes to the Buccaneers and he wins the Super Bowl that very year. I don't believe Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets right now would take him all the way to the Super Bowl. But an AFC title game? Yeah, why not? Mm-hmm. I, I, As good as the AFC is right now, do I believe in Buffalo? No. I, I, I don't. It's not Josh Allen's fault. I just don't believe in this coaching staff. I don't know if this coaching staff could get this Buffalo Bills over the hump. Leslie Frazier stepping away for a year, too, as defensive coordinator, so they're going to have to find a new one there as well, unless McDermott wants to call the place himself. I, I think Leslie Fl- Frazier is leaving is because he was obviously interviewing for jobs, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, sure. And I I think he's very frustrated. Uh, For a guy that had a coaching job, he failed as a coach, and now nobody wants to hire him again. Mm -hmm. He said he's open to coaching again, but will it be with the Bills? Another question. Otherwise, the Bills are going to have to learn another new defense, or McDermott's going to have to call plays, which will hinder his game planning as a head coach. McDermott doesn't run the same defense in the same patterns. Uh, of uh, rushing patterns that he likes to run. You, you, you've you seen Leslie Frazier uh, this year. He used a lot of blitz packages. McDermott doesn't do that. If you remember McDermott on Carolina, he did not do that. Mm-hmm. He was a very good uh, attacking 4-3, more of a zone blitz. And guy. he had yeah. great corners. Yeah, He loved to use his corners, and, and he always had top corners on those Carolina Panther teams. Who fell off badly once he left. Yep. So Norman, we're looking at you. Yeah, so... Obviously, I don't know if this defense is going to be as good as it was last year. Miami will be good. They added a, a pretty well-known defensive coordinator. I, I The quarterback position's an if, and you don't know who's going to be the quarterback next year. Is it Tua? Is it maybe they go make a run for Jimmy Garoppolo, or maybe they make a run for Derek Carr? Who knows? I doubt Derek Carr's going there, but that's just a name that could be brought up in conversation. But the most, uh, you know... 
more common name that I've been speaking for the last past two or three months is Lamar Jackson. But getting back to Aaron Rodgers, if you're an Aaron Rodgers guy and if you're a Jets fan, the safest player to go after right now is Derek Carr. I know people don't want to say that. I know people don't want to sit here and believe that. But he is the safest out of the quarterbacks that are available. I wonder if you're if you're sitting here today, and, and Speedy, I don't know about you, but a lot of Jet fans don't like Derek Carr. They don't think Derek Carr is a quality enough quarterback to step as a veteran quarterback on the field because we've seen plenty of them come and go with this New York Jet team and take them over the hump, take them over the mountain to a Super Bowl. I heard what the Jets said. I heard what Joe Douglas and ownership said to Derek Carr that if he comes to the Jets, he's a Hall of Famer. I do not believe the Jets would tell him that, but again, who knows? If if it's the Jets, they're doing anything possible to persuade this guy to choose the New York Jets over the, the Saints because I think the only team that's a threat to the Jets for Derek Carr is the Saints. Right. And the longer the th- this whole saga will drag out, the Saints have time to be able to manage their money, restructure it however they want. So the Jets know that now that they are the that now that they're in that kind of safer boat where it's them and the Saints because the Buccaneers are committed to their quarterback yep. in Trask. Carolina like you said probably going to draft a quarterback, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Mike Evans. I, I, I heard that, too, because they already cut Cameron Braid, so it seems like they have to shed a lot of room as it is. And they have a lot of issues with key positions, too, between their secondary, outside of Winfield and Davis. Their offensive line, like we've said all year, has been terrible. And they just cut Leonard Fournette, too, so they don't really have much of a running back, either. So they're going in a very different direction. Like you were saying, the Panthers are probably in more of a mold to draft a quarterback. Frank Reich let him get his own guy at uh, either trading up or at number nine if somebody falls. And so you leave the Saints, who they have talent, but can they make the money work? And then the Jets, who have a very good situation with young players, good cap stability. And if Derek Carr goes there, Derek Carr probably goes into a situation that probably decides the 2016 Raiders, his third year in the league, when they got a lot of good free agents, they had a very good offense and a great offensive line. That's pro- the Jets are probably like that next best well-rounded team besides that because look at all the Raiders teams he had before that too. They were dysfunctional, especially with the whole the, everything with the Gruden saga, everything in the beginning where they were just a horrible team. They trade Khalil Mack, they trade Amari Cooper, everything two years ago with you know, with Gruden and the interim coach. Like that's a really bad tenure, and Derek Carr still put up good numbers amidst all that. So if he goes to the Jets, it should be a little smoother, barring injuries and stuff like that. Rodgers' former teammate, backup quarterback, Kurt Ben Kurt, believes Rodgers will be either a Jet or a Miami Dolphin next year or this coming year. And I, I, everybody knows we, we've been giving you all of the stats of Aaron Rodgers last year and this year. And, and we all know what the Jets quarterbacks combined last season had. And I'll, I'll mention again, 4,040 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 56.9% completion percentage, and 6.4 yards per attempt with a 75 passer rating. If you have those numbers, you don't win anything. You have three quarterbacks throwing over 4,000 yards, but only throwing 15 touchdowns to 14 interceptions? The completion percentage at, well, the passing rate at 70, 75% a passer rating, but 56.9%. An average quarterback in the NFL has a 60% passing rating. Mm-hmm. 
And that, That's and three it, quarterbacks. And again, in an analytical era of of football, completion percentage at 60% is really low as it is, too, for even the younger quarterbacks. They don't want that kind of thing. Here's another stat to throw at you. Devontae Adams in 2020 had 18 touchdowns with the Packers. The Jets quarterbacks combined at 15 touchdowns. I mean, it's sad. And, say something. and they had the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson. They could have had the other offensive rookie of the year in Brees Hall before he hurt his, uh, his knee and tore his ACL. Their offense, as good as we thought they played this year, they didn't really play that well. And that's why Mike LaFleur is looking for a new job or found one in L.A. because of his, uh, his, his buddy over there. And then taking shots at Zach Wilson was not professional for Mike LaFleur. It really wasn't. After the fact you leave, you're throwing a quarterback that you wanted under the bus. Because you couldn't fix him, or you couldn't help him grow as a quarterback, because you thought he was the next big thing since, I, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence? Mm-hmm. The same quarterback that you could have drafted if you didn't win the game, th- th- that Rams game the year before. Or the Browns. <laughs> or the Browns game the year before. You would have landed Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence would be the starting quarterback right now of the New York Jets, and we would not be speaking right now. About Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers. And the, you know what the other funny thing would have been? Well, imagine if the Jets drafted Trevor Lawrence number one, the Jags drafted Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson and Urban Meyer together. That'd be scary, man. Jalen Carter charged with reckless driving and racing charges in connections of deaths between uh, a player that he played with in Georgia on the Bulldogs and a staff member. I don't know why a lot of these college players or so-called young NFL players are buying cars, racing cars, drinking, driving, smoking marijuana, and putting young kids and family members and friends in a situation where they could die. But this isn't the first time we've seen a college player do something so foolish, so selfish like this. Jalen Carter, right now, on almost every single draft board, is more than likely going to be the number one pass rusher off the board. Now, everybody keeps talking about Will Anderson and Will Anderson with his talent from Alabama. But everybody has said Jalen Carter is the best pass rusher in this draft. Number one over all the good pass rushers in this class, which there's a ton of them. But if you're an owner of an organization, or you're a GM of an organization right now, do you pay this guy Millions and millions of dollars. Do you draft this guy in the top 10 where he was looked at as a top five, top six talent going into this draft class? Do you draft this kid in the first round now after the story came out? And here's another thing. He's being accused for two misdemeanors. Two people died in this accident. I don't know if anybody's going to accuse him for killing, but nobody even knew about this story. Because it happened in January. Mm -hmm. 
everyone knew that the victims died, but nobody knew he was involved for the longest time. Nobody knew. And now, if you're, again, you're at the combine, this guy, does he, does he show up to a pro day? Does he do a pro day? And if he doesn't do a pro day, do you take a chance on a player like this going into the first round of this draft when this guy can make or break your team for the next five to ten years? And this was a guy that already had questions of character issues, as it was with penalties, with the way his, uh, with the way that his discipline was on the field, with certain plays. Not that it was egregiously bad in games that mattered. Georgia obviously still undefeated, and that kind of thing was already an issue for a lot of these GMs and scouts in the early draft process. Now, in the later draft process, this is definitely a big, a bigger issue too. If he was involved too, because you're going that speed right after they win a national championship game, it was a week after. A, a reckless, just unnecessary thing to do when you know you're going to be a top five pick. And we we talked about it like previous incidents where this happened. Look at somebody like Laramie Tunsil. Now, Laramie Tunsil's video turned out to be a hack. It wasn't his fault. But still, he was the pretty much consensus number one pick or at least top five pick. Depending on where the quarterbacks fell and Jalen Ramsey, guys like that. But a lot of people had him as the number one pick and he fell to 13 because of that. That's a big difference in what your rookie contract looks like. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The number one pick gets paid a certain range, then two through five gets paid a certain range and then vice versa. So if Jalen Carter falls to the middle of the first round, you're not looking at as good of a first round draft contract. Now the rules are going to change a little bit, I think, in two years where they're going to be performance-based bonuses too, but still you still don't want to gamble on that with just speeding in a vehicle and reckless driving like that. And Jeff says everybody knew that he was in an accident, and he was involved with this accident. If they knew, why did why didn't they, why didn't ownership or NFL uh, scouts say anything about this? I haven't heard anything. I didn't see anything until what a, a day ago, two days ago, yeah. that it came out that he was going to be arrested when he showed up to the combine. I didn't know that he had anything to do with this. Timing was very fishy, so maybe somebody did cover it up. <laughs> I mean, this was covered up by the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, again, we sit here today, and I, I know, and I know Jeff's probably on the yep. phone, but we'll wait for him for a second. If you sit here today and you wonder, as an as an owner of a team, as an organization, and, and you're going to pay this guy, if you're a top ten draft pick, you're going to make between thirty and thirty five million dollars. You're going to get a rookie contract that is going to be significant. I don't draft him in the top 10. I might not even drop draft him in the top 20. Heck, we've seen players fall all the way to the second round because of things like this. Injuries. Doing stupid things. Taking money. As now, it doesn't matter with the NIL rules. But nevertheless... This is a story that definitely is going to grow feet. More than one. I can tell you that. Look at Randy Gregory. He was like a top 10 talent. He fell in the second round with all the stuff he did off the field. And he, by the way, Randy Gregory is a pretty good player, right? Mm-hmm. Ask the Cowboys what happened to him. Yep. And of course, the Cowboys end up with a player like him. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> but again, I don't know what Jalen Carter is and I as as we've heard from all the scouts, including scouts that we've had on the show and draft uh, draftologists, saying that Jalen Carter was last year 
was one of the top three, top four pass rushers coming out of this year's draft class. Everyone was talking about Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt last year, that defensive line, and there were some of our draft analysts that said to watch out for Carter, too. Yep. So, I if now, who's willing to take a chance with this kid? Now, again, he's not going to jail. Nothing that we've read so far. There are two misdemeanors right now on his list of things that he is going to be accused and he is in trouble with the law for. But again, I'm not sure if there's going to be any more things that he is going to be responsible for, including those two deaths. Go ahead, Speedy. Put our friend Jeff. Jeff, no cursing. First of all, go dogs. <laughs> of course. Second of all, everyone knew that this had happened. Everyone knew. How did we know that this, that this had happened? Because Jalen Carter, by the way, who was sober, not drinking, so that's blasphemy that you put that in. I didn't say, hold on, I didn't say he was drinking. No, we said previous people were drinking. Previous people have drank. Right, those other people were drinking. He wasn't, okay? He wins the race. He's way ahead. He found out 45 minutes afterwards that they had gotten to a car wreck. How do we know? Because, Because it's in the police report. Everyone had the police report. People at the combine have been asking about it. How do we, and how did everyone know that? Because Jalen Carter drove back to the scene and is the one that told police, hey, this is how it happened. I was involved. So accountability matters. And getting the story right matters. Just saying that, oh, this kid was racing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he was racing. Wasn't drunk. Kids fool around. That is what it is. But accountability matters. Most kids wouldn't have gone back to the scene and and fessed up and been as honest as he was. And that speaks to his character. He's not dropping in the draft. Maybe he drops a couple of picks, whatever. Please, God, let him draft. I'll take him at 15. Please, go dogs. <laughs> I don't know, man, because every everything that I've heard today is that he might fall. He might fall yeah. in this year's draft. Might. Class. Might fall. Yeah. He I mean, won't. it's. He won't. He won't. Uh, again, he again. Won't. Accountability matters. How many other people do you know would have driven back to the scene and said, yeah, I was involved? I'll help you piece this together. Worked with the police to do that. Jeff. You're talking about a top 10 pick. You're talking about a lot of money. You're talking about an owner and an organization to take a chance on a kid that, like Speedy said, has had problems in the past. People have said, you know, things about this kid that he has had problems on and off the field. No problems. Georgia Bulldog. High character. (laughs) Whatever. The fact is, is that you look at the big picture right now. I would be worried if I was an owner of an organization right now and saying, yes, this kid could be all world. This guy could be, look at Miles Garrett. He could be the next Miles Garrett. He could be the next J.J. Watt. He could be the next, who knows? He's not any of that. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying he could be the next big pass rusher in this league. But – I'm going to have to pay this guy and take a chance with this guy. And if he does something stupid, it makes me look bad. It makes me, my organization, it makes my team look bad because I took a chance on this guy when I could have taken this guy. And this guy still, he's not, he might not be better than Jalen Carter, but he, he could still, he's still going to stay on the field and he's still going to play and he's still going to put my team in position to win. I mean, you're just taking the bait on this. Oh, no, no, I'm not. No, you are taking the bait because there's been other things said about other people around draft time. And a lot of these stories get out there because other teams are hoping he drops. 
uh, not casting aspersions, we've talked about this before. What was Michael Parsons' pre-draft record? That he was a gangbanger, that he was trouble, that he went last in the league. He's been fine. Cowboys took a chance on well, one, because they love scumbags, but <laughs> they took a chance on him, and it's worked out just fine. It, all these draft rumors and trying to hurt people's stock. Do you, do you remember the one with Justin Fields? Oh, we don't know if Justin Fields would be able to play quarterback. Because of the bright lights, hit, yeah, he have, right. He could have an epileptic hit. I think he's been just fine. This is, don't take the bait on some of these stories. Jalen Carter will be just fine, and character matters. He's a person who drove back first to of the all, scene first of all, to help them. First of all, Jeff, this is sports radio, and you have to talk about it because it is a story. It is a story that potentially could turn into a bad situation for an organization. You're putting millions and millions of dollars into these young kids. You're putting I will a, not have you slander a Georgia Bulldog. I, I understand <laughs> that, but this is radio, and we are going to get into this story. This it's is a very, very radio. This is a big story. And for you to sit there, sit there and say, oh, it's no problem. No, no big problem. He was arrested. Yes, they're misdemeanors. Yeah, misdemeanors. Why wasn't he arrested? Guys, Why wasn't he arrested? So Why wasn't he arrested two months ago? Why wasn't he arrested two months ago? Because they, the charges uh, just came out. There's a legal process. Okay. There's a legal process. You've got to go in front of a grand jury. And then you've got to so legal. let me ask you a question. Process. So let me ask you a question. Why did the process happen right now around the combine? Uh, the process is the process. I can't speak to that. So, okay, it happened now. But whether it happens It now just so happened, happened later, to happen around the combine, Tom. But it wouldn't, but it wouldn't matter because you can still have uh, – all of these players are still going to fly to different places and have private visits and private workouts with teams. So whether you got arrested now or later, it wouldn't have mattered. Teams would have still been asking the same questions. So you're trying to you're, – you're such a conspiracy theorist. You think it's just big. Why did it happen? No. It, it, it wouldn't matter. Body, cam, month, body matter. cam footage shows officer pleading to Jalen Carter to slow down months before the deadly crash. This guy has been racing cars every Great. single time he was out on the road. Now, all of a right. sudden, he oh, – Terrible he, driver. Okay, he's a terrible driver. Two people died in this accident. That Two people died. For. I understand, but he was involved with it, was he not? I mean, loosely, but he was still involved with it. Two deaths with a player on his team and a coach. <clears throat> he was loosely involved. And by the way, the other person was driving drunk, mm -hmm. right? Had mm -hmm. a, I think it was a point one. One five blood alcohol level, which is way over limit. Jalen Carter, no alcohol in the system, so at least he's not drinking and driving. That's what the other person was doing. Stop trying to put this on Jalen Carter. Good bulldog. <laughs> By the way, the 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 coach or the uh, team staffer that was drunk, I think his name was Chandler Lecroy. That's his name. So that was the one that died in the other car accident. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. He had a high rate of speed. And um, yes, he was drinking. Blood alcohol was high. The levels were high. I think it was one five or something like that, or one one five seven. I'm trying to read what right. it is. Which is, which is point three over the legal limit. I don't know exactly what it is in Georgia. It's all it's different with, but the national legal limit that's at least three and a half over that percent. Uh, again, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, again, it's it, it is it is a story. The combine and football is now is it's starting to 
build up again. Uh, we have the obviously the trade deadline. The trading is going to open up March fifteenth, and then free agency is going to open up at the end of the month. So there's so much to talk about. And I know football, the NFL is trying to bring in stories and they're trying to sell the game as as now the Super Bowl has been over for the last two and a half weeks. So they're trying to find a story. And I understand nobody wants to throw this kid under the bus and hurt his draft stock, but this is a story. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a serious situation, but again, how much of it is it really his fault, honestly? I don't know. That's the, that's the thing. There's I'm, enough I'm, information to know. There's yeah. not enough information to know if it was his fault or not. All we know is he was arrested. He had a fourth. He, he had four thousand dollar bail, and uh, it's two. Which mystery- shows you that it's not really all that serious. Well, if, if they're still investigating, I, I mean, you can. I mean, you can pretty much tell by the amount of bail that they're like, oh, I guess we got to do something, right? Yeah, and he didn't look. He didn't look worried when he he was walking around at the <laughs> combine today. He didn't look right. worried. He didn't. But again. Having two misdemeanors, you're what? A 21-year-old kid? You're already in trouble with the law? Two misdemeanors? Now, again, you, you mentioned Micah Parsons. A lot of people were speaking about Micah Parsons, not to draft him. That maybe, that's, maybe that was the reason why the Giants decided to pass up on him, and a lot of teams decided to pass up on him. And maybe they made a mistake because Micah Parsons is one of the best pass rushers, if not the best, best yeah. pass rusher yeah, in the league. And the Cowboys didn't. They, they took a chance and they made the right choice. But well, they love guys like that. But you look at Jalen Carter. They're bad people. If you look at Jalen Carter right now, I'm not going to compare what everybody said about <clears throat> Micah Parsons because Micah Parsons, that was a story. That's what people were saying. This is true. This is truth. What are you? This guy is going to make a lot of money. Okay, this guy's going to make millions and millions of dollars. He loves fast cars. What do you think this kid is going to buy when he makes his first million dollars? What there's do you a think lot is of going? People out, yeah, but there's a lot of people out there with 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 uh, you know bad habits, you know uh, that people still take. Jeff, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? Him killing somebody on the road to realize yeah, that this much, kid is a problem? Yeah, pretty much, it's the NFL. Ray Rice out there knocking girls out in elevators. Why do we bring up Ray Rice? This happened a long time ago. That's because happened a long a perfect, time ago. No, because no, because it's a perfect example of the NFL doesn't care. As long as you have talent, they're going to take you. How about let's talk about Kareem Hunt kicking a woman? How about that? How about the, yeah. the, the field goal kicker that played for the Giants? Oh, yeah. Josh Brown. Josh Brown <laughs> doing what he did. Everybody forgets about that. No. everybody. How about Greg Hardy, what he did to his girlfriend? Right, but it just. Right, but, but everybody but brings just, up Ray Rice, who right, apologized and, 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 and has helped. He's it's trying to fix up what he did, raising uh, money. Pretty pretty typical of a New Yorker to try to defend another scumbag New Yorker. I see that. Ray Rice. He's yeah. from New Ray Jersey, Rice. Jeff. No, no, he's not. No, he's New from York, New York. York. Oh, he's from New York. He's from New York, but he played See, in Rutgers. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Now apologize, Speedy. You butted in with wrong information. You're an idiot. Okay, Jeff. I'll see how it is. You oh, know. All I'm saying. But that's a, but that's how. But right. But. But the difference between those people are some people were uh, dispensable. Josh Brown, they were like, you're an idiot kicker. We don't care. Matt Ariza, you're a stupid puncher. We don't care. D- do you know how long it took before they even cut Greg Hardy? That was a story for two years before the pictures came out. And they were like, oh, I guess we can't avoid it now. Right? Because mm-hmm. Greg Hardy had talent. They didn't want to get rid of him. 
And that's in the NFL, that's the end of the story. If you have talent, they're going to keep you. And if you're dispensable and they can get another one, like the Brown kid or Matt Arisen, who cares? I can get another punter. I don't need one that beats women. You can just get a puncher. They grow on trees. I can go to any soccer field and go, dude, do you want to kick a different shape ball? Come with me. <laughs> Jeff, we're going to let you go. Call back after our guest because we're going to get into the combine. I want to know your opinion on what you saw today at the combine. Congratulations to the Boston Bruins, by the way, fastest in NHL history to 100 points. They're the greatest team on earth. <laughs> Uh, and that is Jeff, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, a Boston Bruins fan and a Boston fan. And, uh, you know, that's just what Boston likes to do. Brag about things when they win. <laughs> Anyways, when we come back, we will be talking to NHL.com media, produ- media producer Rob Top here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, or the host, Errol Marks, my co-host. Speeder, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app. Or how about this? You can check out our listings on our website and all the stories that we post throughout the week, throughout the month. And check out all the shows by the listings, the names, and the times that they are live. You can interact with all the talent on our network by just going to the website and finding the talent and the person's name on the website, and you can email them and talk to them. And you can check us out every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Sports Lab Mouts, uh, as we give you the best in sports every single week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a friend, a guy that's been on the show before, an Islander fan, a Jet fan, as uh, we all know, a New Yorker. We are now talking to NHL.com medium producer, Rob Top. Rob, what's up? What's going on, guys? How are you? We are good, man. You look happy. You look good. I'm, you know, just been hitting the gym a little bit. You look know. at you. Look at you. I, I've been hitting the gym, too. I'm I'm not wearing any of my Jet stuff. I am wearing a Yankees hat, so I, I am keeping it New York. But uh, uh, how are you? Uh, we haven't spoken to you for a couple of months how you feeling? How how's the hockey life with the NHL.com doing? Things have been good. I can't complain. You know, just watching games here and there. I got uh, two games on my computer right now that I'm monitoring. It's uh, right now. It's a bit of crunch time because of the trade deadline. But um, get paid to watch hockey, man. I couldn't. I can't. Like I got nothing to complain about. And you know, it just just living the dream right now. Who's better than you? Oh, I know a lot, a lot of people are better than me. I just to, uh, <laughs> uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to NHL.com's medium producer, uh, Rob Top. So, Rob, why don't we get into the trade deadline? What stuck out to you? What has stuck out to you so far on what you have seen that has gone on at the NHL uh, with, with the NHL and the NHL trade deadline? I think what stuck out is that it's just been absolutely wild. Uh, Lou, Lou got the Lou Lamarillo got the party started getting Horvat, and it it's just like the the floodgates open right after that. You know, Kane's been traded, Tarasenko's been traded, Jonathan Quick has been traded. You know, every 
big name you could imagine, like under the sun. It's just they're all on different teams. It's it's crazy to think that because usually with the NHL trade deadline, up until up until the actual deadline, it's not you know there there's some trades, but we don't have like massive massive names being thrown around and moving places. You know, tomorrow I'm working tomorrow and I'm expecting like it to be a dull day. Like who else is left to be traded except maybe Eric Carlson? But I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, based on what uh, what I've heard. But it's just like this has been probably the craziest and most like just shocking NHL trade that like deadline that I can remember, you know, just in, not even just in my lifetime, just since I like started blogging, covering the game. It's, you know, it's a, it's been a whirlwind and you know, frankly, it's not over, but. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what else is left out there to to really uh, to really go on at, uh, tonight and tomorrow. But you never know. So we talk about the gap with the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference this season has been pretty drastic. And this NHL trade deadline definitely proving a lot. Is a lot of the Eastern Conference teams got very powerful. All the tri-state teams did a lot with big with big names. We're talking about teams like the Lightning and teams like other teams like that. The Bruins making trades like that too. But the West, outside of Vegas and maybe Minnesota, weren't as active. So do you think that's going to be a big discrepancy? I don't know if it's going to be a big discrepancy. Look, uh, I mean. The Avalanche are still the Colorado Avalanche. I know they they picked up uh, Eric Johnson, who they had uh, last year, won a cup with them. I don't know if discrepancy is the right word. I just think that the teams in the West, you know who the big dogs are. You have Vegas. You got Colorado. You have Edmonton. You've got the LA Kings. Like, there's a bunch of teams in there. You could start. You could throw Seattle in the mix too. They've been good. They just got an overtime win tonight against Detroit. A big win for them. I think discrepancy. I I don't know. I I just think that the East is so that because of the wild card chase. Because we know who the the main teams are that are making the playoffs. It's almost like set in stone. But that wild card and all those teams in the mix, whether it's the Islanders, the Penguins, Ottawa, like everyone is making. They're doing what they can to kind of sh- to. Uh, shorten the gap between them and the top dogs in the conference. But I don't, I don't think there's a discrepancy. I think, look, the West is still the West. It's still heavy hockey. It's still, there's still some really, really dangerous, talented teams out there. You know, you take a team like the Edmonton Oilers. I think they got the message that, okay, we need to have, we need to add defense and we need to add maybe another forward or two because we can't have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle to depend on every single night. Now they go out and get Matthias Ekholm. They go out and get, you know, a few more pieces to add. And they're a legitimate cup contender. I I, I don't know about their goaltending is still a little shaky. I don't know if I would trust Stuart Skinner uh, in a playoff series yet. But, you know, we'll see. But I think that just the West, you know who the teams are. The East is an absolute – it's going to be a dogfight to the finish. And I just think there were so many – there were so many good players out West that – it's just like the East just, they, you know, it was feast or famine. Who was going to get who? And we saw who, you know, who ended up as the big winners so far, the trade deadline. But I don't think there's a discrepancy. I still think once playoff time comes around, it's anybody's game. You know, it's a whole new season. So we'll see where it goes from there. But I just think, that, I don't think the power of balance is shifted. I just think that the West just had so much more to offer and the East just took, they took advantage of it. As everybody knows, we are talking to NHL.com media producer Rob Top. Rob, you look at Carolina. Everybody was talking about them making a big move. They were interested in Timo Meyer. He goes to New Jersey. 
they're sitting there. They made a move or two, but nothing really that big. They needed another offensive uh, player, added more firepower to this uh, this offense that's not producing the last two weeks. They're not scoring goals. They lost tonight against Las Vegas. When you look at this team and you look at the Rangers, adding Kane and Tarasenko, New Jersey adding Timo Meyer, Boston adding the firepower that they did, they did. Toronto adding the firepower that they did. Even Tampa Bay made a couple of moves. So what do you think about Carolina? Is Carolina still the team to beat in the Metropolitan Division? I do think they're still the team to beat. My one concern with Carolina going into the playoffs, and I know – uh, you mentioned that they they lost to Vegas. They lost to Vegas last night, but mm-hmm. and it was a close game. They tied the game, and then they they lost on a late goal in the third to Jack Eichel. But I think with with the Carolina Hurricanes, for me, it's always come down to goaltending. I still don't know, and he's on. A, it's a totally different team and a totally different you know, uh, totally different stomping grounds. I don't know if I could trust Frederick Anderson to win me a playoff series. He didn't even want it in Toronto. They basically the the Toronto media and the fans basically ran him ran him out of town because they couldn't he couldn't help them win a playoff series and everything. But I just they're a fast team, but they can be had. I've seen nights where like they've been had by New Jersey and the Rangers. There was night there was nights early season where the Islanders got to them. I just think with Carolina, like they have a really really good team. And the major thing, other than the goaltending, that scares me is last year, and I don't think this is going to happen again, they did not win a single game on the road in the playoffs. That was massive and crucial in my thinking going into the playoffs this year with where I see them going. Because if they can't win on the road in the playoffs, they are not going to come anywhere near the Eastern Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup Finals, for that matter. And to me... They have guys like Sebastian Ajo and Andre and uh, and Andre Spetsnikov and guys like Marty Natchez, who's come out. He's been shot out of a cannon this year. You're probably the most underrated player in the league now. The, uh, I mean, he he's been fantastic. You have guys like that who, in the playoffs last year, especially in the Rangers series, they kind of like they fell off a bit. Like they really didn't produce as much. They were invisible for a lot of uh, most of the games. So I think. Other than the goaltending, them getting consistent production from their forward, from their major top six forwards, because once the regular season's over, like once the playoffs start, the regular season's thrown out the window. No one cares about what you did in the regular season anymore. It's about what you're doing in the postseason to help your team get to where they want to get to. And I believe that the only way the, the, that Carolina is, and they should be a force in the playoffs, is if they their goaltending is good if Frederick Anderson, you know, play, you know, plays above his head. And if they get the, the, if they get the, the consistency from their top forwards, guys like Aho, Svechnikov, all those guys, because you saw it last year, if you're not getting production from those guys, they're an easy team to beat. Yeah. They might have speed and they might have a great defense and they can skate you up and down the ice. doesn't matter if you can't get, if you can't get scoring, you can't score in the playoffs. You're not going to win in the playoffs. So I want to ask about the Devils because they're right now creeping up on the Hurricanes right now because the Hurricanes lost yesterday, only one point back of uh, of Carolina, and they've, pro- they've separated themselves a good amount from the Rangers who had a slump right after they tra- right before they traded for. They Patrick just lost Kane. against Ottawa tonight, and, and they just lost against Ottawa tonight. It always felt it felt like the Rangers were just looking ahead to the Patrick Kane trade and pr- playing pretty effortless. So the Devils they trade for Timo Meyer, they got a couple extra players in the deal. They didn't have to trade any of their top prospects and in, in top five prospects in their system really. So uh, where do you think they stand right now? 
trading for Timo Meyer and also trading for all those extra players they got, could they help the Devils fend off the Rangers or the Hurricanes? Well, I think that what the I think what the Devils did was tremendous. I think getting a guy like Timo Meyer, biggest question is will he resign? And talking with someone, you know, the whole thing was he could he resign could he sign an extension like immediately or is he going to wait? I mean, from what I heard, like what people were projecting, this guy could be a nine or ten million dollar player come come uh, the free come free agency this summer. So it'll be interesting to see. But I love the move. I love that the Devils are going for it. I think that they realize that their time is now. The rebuild is essentially over. They've got pieces in place. They've got leadership. They've got defense. Goaltending, I'm still a little suspect, and I think I have every right to be. Vitek Vanacek in the playoffs, he's only had one. He's only played once. He's only played, I think, one, one or two years in the playoffs, and he's lost both times in the first round. So we'll see where that goes. Darcy Kemper, yes, he won a Stanley Cup with Colorado last year, but he also, I don't know if I could trust him. I mean, it's not its not like you have a Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Lanskog and all those heavy guns in Colorado in front of you. This is a different, it's a different team, and this is going to be a young team coming. They're going to make the playoffs, but this is going to be their first time back in the playoffs in five years. Now, the only guys from that team who were in the playoffs like, was Bratt, Keisha, and I think maybe one or two, like maybe a Damon Severson, whoever. So this is a great move. Look at like their offense is already set, but I think that this was more of a move that I don't even think it was to kind of shorten the gap between them and Carolina. I think it was more that they've arrived and they like bringing, getting a guy like this shows that player, like we're going to bring guys to this team that we know can help us win a Stanley cup. And not even just we're going to fight for it this year, but this is going to be a yearly thing from now where we're going to be fighting for we're going to be a contender, a consistent contender from now on. So I think to answer your question, I love the move. We'll see how it works out. Uh, I mean, he's a goal scorer. I mean, I don't know how much more I don't know how much more offense the Devils need. They just they scored seven goals last night in Colorado. And it's just it should be a fun. It should be fun to watch. But great move. I don't know how, like, we'll see how it works out. Uh, I think most likely they'll play, Devils are going to play the Rangers in the first round or Carolina. If they win the division, that would be a total shock in my book because Carolina, I think it's just head above the rest. But, the, the, like, he's going to make a major impact when he uh, when he gets healthy because I know he's been injured for a little bit now. When he gets in the lineup, should be fun. should be fun to watch. We are talking to NHL.com's media producer, Rob Tobb. Rob, there are plenty of teams that have had good seasons this year in the Eastern Conference, in the Atlantic Division. We all know the Beast. Yes, Jeff, I will mention them. The Beast from the East this year are the Boston Bruins, the first team and the fastest team to 100 points in NHL history. They have the best goalie in the NHL in almost every single statistic, and Allmark, who even scored a goal this year. Uh, they they made moves, uh, obviously, doing the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, and I always call it the Tampa Bay Lightning because we all remember all the, 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 the back-to-back championships that they won. They had people sitting on the IL, and then they make moves, and they bring guys trade deadline. Well, that's exactly what they did with Taylor Hall. He's hurt right now. He'll be back before the playoffs. They had Orloff, Bertuzzi, Hathaway. I mean, this team is stacked 
talented from top to bottom, from the first line to the fourth line. They have two sensational goaltenders, and Allmark and Swayman. What do you think, uh, as far as the favorites of coming out of the East and winning the whole thing, do you think it's Boston, or do you think maybe it's, like you said, Carolina? Are they are they still the best team in the East? I, You know, I got to hand it to the Bruins. I think I might have come on with you guys before the year, or yep. maybe in the beginning, and yeah. I said that, I thought the Bruins were going to fall off a cliff this year because for the first half of the year, supposedly they were not supposed to have Marshawn, not supposed to have McAvoy, not supposed to have Bergeron, all those guys. But it seems like you get a, like a new lease of life. That team, after last, after they lost in the playoffs last year, that's everyone thought it was over. Everyone thought the run and ball. Everyone thought it was going to be it was going to be Bergeron's last year. They were going to break up everyone, but they resign. They get Krejci back here because they know. This is a probably a true a fact that this is their last kick at the can, and they are going all and they continue to go all in getting Bertuzzi, like you mentioned, getting Orlov, getting Hathaway. My one, and I hate keep, I hate to keep doing this. My one concern is that they play so so well in the regular season, and you mentioned this as the Tampa, like the thing with the with the Lightning, that they could be knocked out in the first round. They could be so so good in the regular season. And then they run into just like a, a buzzsaw in the first round. And who knows? Could that be the Penguins? Could that be the Islanders? Could it be the Sabres? Could it be the Senators? I don't know. Could it be the Red Wings? I don't know who it's going to be. But I think everyone says they're just going to steamroll their way to the Stanley Cup. That's not how it works. Everyone thought Tampa a few years ago. They were the best team in the league. They were doing the same thing Boston's doing this year. They ran into the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they got swept. And nobody saw it coming because they ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, because for most of the regular season, the Tampa didn't have to worry about by the end of the regular season, they didn't have to worry about playing like really hard anymore. They built up such a huge lead in the division and in the conference that probably they took they probably took a lot of nights off and were like, we could just still play, we could still win and what's we don't have to play hard. But you take a team like not to go back to take a team like Columbus, who was the eighth seed, they were playing playoff hockey probably for the the last two months of the season back then. So you're going to have teams like I mentioned, like I mentioned before, those six, seven teams who are going to be who are fighting for that those two wild card spots. They, uh, yeah, Tampa, like everyone says, oh, they're Tampa will, I mean, Boston will steamroll them. No, because Boston, they're going to win the Atlantic Division. They're probably going to win the President's Trophy, but they can run if they're not, you know, still going like they are towards the end, like in the next month, month and a half before the season's over, and you got teams you know, seven or eight of them that are fighting for their playoffs, fighting for their playoff lives, playing playoff hockey from for the past two months. That's one thing I would deeply, deeply be worried about. I mean, they are the beat. They there's no I'm not no disrespect to them. They are the beast of the they are the beast of the East this year. That's a great name for them. I just everything is working so well that something something is going to happen where I wouldn't say things completely fall apart, but right around the play, like the playoffs are a totally different animal. And I, I hate to keep harping on it, but when you get a team like Boston who had everything go right for them all year long, and then maybe they and maybe they run into the wrong team at the wrong time, could be goaltending, it could be goaltending, could be whatever, could be that injuries, anything. It's still any like any pot like 
that's one thing with the Bruins that I still will hang my hat on is as much as they knew this year was going to be their last kick at the can, bringing everyone back, going all in, because after this year, who knows what's going to happen with that team. That's a lot of contracts, and I I would think Bergeron is going to call – he's going to call it a career. I don't think Krejci is going to play another year. They brought him back just for this year because I think they knew that this was going to be Bergeron's last time – like this is going to be his last year playing. But they're they're great right now. They're running over everybody. But I'd still I'd still have a little bit of doubt when it come when once the playoffs begin with them. Last question for me. Uh the New York Islanders, obviously Lou Lamorello. We have a guy coming on, uh BD Gallif. I'm sure you know who he is. Oh, he is? Uh, yes. And uh you're an Islander guy. He's an Islander guy. I'm an Islander guy. I am wondering. What Lou Lamorello is doing. I know everybody has been screaming about Bo Horvat. That's great. They they trade Bavillier. He goes over to Vancouver. He's having he's having a pretty good season now that he's playing over there in Vancouver. I know it's harder competition over here in the Metropolitan Division. Nevertheless, Bo Horvat's playing pretty well, but this team is not producing. They're not scoring in the shootouts. They're not scoring in overtime. Uh, I I understand they have some injuries in Barzell. And obviously, J.C. Pajot, I understand all that. And then they add a guy like uh, Pierre Envol. He's a nice player, six foot four, has some speed. He's not the guy that really stands out and say, hey, we're going for it all. When we see all these other teams making moves and they stand out. Do you think Lou Lamorella has something up his sleeve? They're clearing some space, $7 million. Uh, they're sending people down. Do you think that the Islanders have something up their sleeve before three o'clock tomorrow afternoon? I do. And you, the reason you gave $7 million in cap space, it's a lot of cap space. And that could possibly be one or two additions, whether it's on there, whether it's a forward or a defenseman. I mean, you throw a name like John Klingberg out there from Anaheim. He was making $7 million this year off on a one-year contract. There's $7 million right there. I don't – depends on the return. I think he would be a solid addition because he's a, the Islanders could definitely use another defenseman right now. It seems like they, they've stabilized their game defensively the past couple games. They're looking a lot better in their own zone. They're, they're breaking out a lot quicker and whatever. But I do think he has another move. I think that as much as people wanted them to go into a rebuild, it's never going to happen. And I'm not trying to get off on it. But this is this was the kind of deadline, and even add the Horvat deal, where you retool for the future, for the next cut, for the next four or five years. Don't completely tear it apart. Add some guys. Add some new blood in there. I tweeted. I, I, I tweeted it out a couple months ago, after or maybe about a month or two ago, after a bad loss. That it was getting to the point where you have to do something to shake up that room. It's not something's not working. There's got to be something just to like just to ruffle some feathers. And that's what he did by bringing in Horvat. And I think Horvat's been a tremendous addition so far. I think a lot of people have, he's been a lot more, a lot better than people, uh, than people think with not even just him in the face off circle, but he's sneaky. Good. He does a lot of the, he does a lot of the little things. He's a sneaky, sneaky, good player, but there's still time. You're right. There's still time for them to make another move by 3 PM tomorrow. I think they do, you know, even with the game, the whole games in hand thing, uh, 
for with the rest of the season because they they have played the most games out of any NHL team. I think that if they keep playing the way they do and they add another player or two, they should be fine. I'm not saying you don't have to go all in. I don't think this this trade deadline was go all in. If they would have gone all in, they would have found a way to get Patrick Kane, but he didn't want to play here. And that's perfectly understandable. He wanted to play at the garden. He wanted to play at the he perfect, to play. Un, perfectly understandable. If not, yeah. if, if not anything, that's a smack in the face to Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders. I don't I, think it, I, I don't I, think it's a smack in the face. I think he's that, an idiot. I, I'm so happy he's not with the Islanders. I can't stand him. I, I and he's not even going to be a Ranger next year. Either is Vladimir Tarasenko, and I don't want to hear it from the Ranger fans. I'm tired of hearing it. Oh, we're going to we're 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 going to clear this and we're going to clear that and we're going to keep these guys. There's not a chance in hell they're going to be able to keep all those guys. So, I I, I just it, it just upsets me and I don't want it, to it, it's I know I'm sorry I cut you off, but it, it just makes me sick to my stomach when I when I'm looking at the Islanders right now and I know everybody wants to, you know, say that they're going to make the playoffs. They have to win 13 of their last 18 games to make the playoffs. With all these games in hand, look at the look at the teams that have games in hand. Buffalo has four games in hand. Pittsburgh has three Buffalo, games in hand. Buffalo Ottawa has, has three Buffalo, games in hand. I, I know the games in hand, but Buffalo's lost a couple games. Now, big games, and some games that they probably shouldn't have. They lost to Columbus two nights ago. You can't lose that game. You can't lose the game last week where they basically they basically uh, no show. No, there was a game right before uh, right before the All Star break against Carolina. They no showed. You can't lose those games. Those are those are premium points that are at stake, and they and they let them go. And that can't you just you can't have that. I still think Buffalo is a very young team. I still think their goaltending situation is not there yet. There's a guy. They have a guy waiting in the wings. He's in college right now who could make his way up in the next year or two. But I don't know. Like, all the game, the games at hand stuff really doesn't phase me because no no team, including the Islanders, in that group is consistent. I know Pittsburgh's won four in a row. Great. Whatever. I know they beat Tampa tonight in overtime. But to me, like, no, like, it has to, like, if you're not going to be consistent, you're not going to get that wild card spot. And what – Still with the Islanders, and even if they add tomorrow, great. Their goaltending is the best out of the entire group. No question. Of those six teams. That's the one thing I will hang my hat on is if they make the playoffs, it's going to be because Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov drag them there. And that's it. Even if they make more, even if they add another player to tomorrow, it's going to be because Sorokin and Varlamov. And I'll I'll hang my hat on that. Mm. Well, we really appreciate your time. Go Jets. Go Islanders. Stay safe, man, and uh, keep up the good work, man. I, I've been reading some of the stuff that uh, the NHL.com is putting up. Uh, it's fantastic, as always, and I, we would love to get you on uh, as the playoffs uh, begin. Maybe we'll have a, a, you know, a, I guess we could have like three or four guys on uh, and, and have a, you know, a little bit of an argument on where we think uh, the playoffs are going to be and how it's going to fall into place. But, Rob, you're great. Keep up the good work, my friend. Appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. And, and keep working out, bud. You're looking <laughs> good, man. You could flex, man. I know you can. I, I, I can't flex. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we will talk soon, bud. Have a good one, guys. Uh, We were just talking to NHL.com media producer Rob Tobb. Fantastic kid. He's Mm -hmm. great.
He really is. Oh, yeah. Funny guy, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we come back, another hockey guy, uh, the host of Top Shelf Hockey Cast and longtime NHL Islanders writer, BD, BD Galoff, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host Daryl Marks. My co-host, the Speedster, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our stories, as we have stories uh, throughout the country. And uh, one of our better writers from uh, he's from Jamaica. Uh, he is uh, a great writer. He, he writes a lot about all different sports, not just soccer, as everybody knows. That's a Jamaican sport. Uh, he writes about football, baseball, hockey, uh, and, and we've had some great writers on this network. So uh, you can check out all the different stories that we have, and all the shows and the listings are right on our website. Check out the Sports Loudmouth, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Shout out and thank you to Rob Top, NHL.com media producer, and now another hockey guy, an Islander guy, as I love the Islanders, because uh, I am an Islander fan. Speedy is a Ranger fan. We are now talking to a host, the host of Top Shelf Hockey Cast and longtime NHL and Islanders writer, B.D. Yes, B.D. Galoff. B.D., what's Hi, up, boys. man? How are you? You look good, man. I I see you. You know you you're getting ready to uh, uh, to absorb everything that we were talking about when we had Rob on the show. But how, before we do that, how are you doing? How are you and your family doing from COVID nineteen? We're we're doing okay. It's uh, you know it. Uh, my father is not well and and elderly, so we have to be extremely careful. So no matter how people do with masks and everything else. We have to be super careful mm-hmm. of what, you know, uh, how we, you know, us getting sick and making him sick. So that's the only, the only thing that, but otherwise just plugging along. Well, so. that's good. And, and I'm happy that you're doing good and uh, I'm happy you're doing a show and you're, you're doing the things that you love to do, including right. But uh, before we get into the Islanders, why don't we get into uh, the trade deadline? What stood out to you in your eyes uh, that is changing the avenues for the Eastern Conference and the avenues for the Western Conference here at the trade deadline. Well, look, it, it's interesting because Tampa seems to be loading up for, um, you know, a, a bar brawl, you know, basically uh, getting the type of players that they know they're going to have to face uh, to get through Toronto or the Bruins, whoever they need to get through to the end. You have the Bruins getting someone uh, like Petruzzi who's fast and dangerous on a team that's already pretty fast and dangerous. Um, Toronto loads up and it's going to, you know, the East is such an interesting, it's all about last man standing. You know, that's, that, that's the craziness and everybody's loading up to be that last one standing. And uh, interesting Carolina keeps on making these, smooth moves and not paying a whole lot for those players. And they're just as dangerous. And, you know, 
the interesting thing, and uh, I know that Rob, Rob, who also uh, kudos to him, he's come a long way in this business and he's been doing great uh, doing for the NHL. These teams are loading up and the East is such a an interesting and, and top heavy um, place. And these, you know, it's really going to be about who's going to punch through and while the West is much more wide open and, you know, like what used to be a behemoth with Colorado is not so much. So it's really kind of interesting, but, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what else happens because we've seen a lot of action early as Robert also brought up, you know, usually it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't happen all the way to the end here. We might not get a whole lot at the end. It might've already, most of it have happened except for a couple of, ancillary moves Mm. so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting this this is what's interesting about this is how usually what happens is there's log jams and the teams are waiting on who makes the move first here a whole bunch of moves happened and it just kept on going and that's what's so interesting about this one so you brought, you mentioned Toronto in that Atlantic race too. They did something a little different when from the last year's uh, previous trade deadlines. Usually they swing for the one big defenseman. A lot of the times it's an offensive defenseman. We saw that happen with Tyson Berry, Mark Giordano. They did it with the defensive with Jake Muzzin, but now they got two guys. They they bring in they bring in Eric Gustafson and they stay, help stabilize it with that. And they bring in Ryan O'Reilly's more of a defensive forward that helps out a little more on that front. Is this finally the identity that Toronto needs, or do you think they still are just all offense and still lack a lot? of different things with their defense and goaltending well they've always had one of their weaknesses is always been that they didn't have enough skill on the defense and you know i don't know if they're quite there yet but they're a very dangerous team they seem to be you know except for tampa being in their way you know could have gone all the way um i think that for for them it's about getting past those big teams, can they get past the Bruins? Can they get past Carolina? It's, you know, and I really don't know. It's it's interesting because, and this is the, the item that Robert brought up, the Bruins are having such a big year and they look like behemoths in this, you know, long season. But the playoffs in the schism is a seven-game series. And it's your best players versus their best players, your goaltender versus their goaltender. And if the goaltender outplays the other goaltender, it can change the everything. And just because the Bruins or Toronto can run the table during the season or Carolina, it, it's another, it's a whole different ball of wax when it comes to these matchups, because it's it's not just one game it's a seven game series and it's really and that's where teams like carolina and tampa thrive because you know they've been there and 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 the bruins which ended up being disappointing for them last year and that's the kind of thing that you can walk away from and re-put yourself together and they're having this great year but they can easily get tanked because in the seven game series and depending on the matchup, it's a whole nother story. It's a, it's not the, the one game one off. And that's where it's going to get really interesting. And that's, you know, and that's what, you know, the moves that Tampa seems to be making 
they're all they're just thinking about the seven game series and making sure they have enough weapons in enough places shored up so they can get through and take out Toronto again. You know, they meet Carolina, who's a very fast and very uh, well-built analytical team um, that makes these great trades that I keep seeing them make. And they're always dangerous and a very fast team. You know, they're, everybody seems to be loading up for one another. And that's why the playoffs are going to be so interesting to watch this year, especially in the East. We are talking to the host of Top Shelf Hockey Cast and longtime NHL Islanders writer, B.D. Galloff. Uh, you speak about some of the players that obviously were traded, and obviously the the trade deadline started with Bo Horvat going to the Islanders. The Islanders re-sign him. Lou Lamarillo spoke uh, some interesting things at the press conference after he signed him, said uh, – he, he got paid too much, and he had too many years. I know he was trying to be funny, uh, but that's Lou Lamorello. And then you look at some of the other, t- the other players. Timo Meyer goes to the New Jersey Devils. Now, there's a lot of questions. The Devils gave up a lot. Not, they didn't give up any of their top five prospects in their farm system, but they gave up prospects. They gave up picks for Timo Meyer. Now you don't even know if you're going to be able to resign him in the offseason. He is going to he's going to want closer to nine and a half million dollars. And even though the Devils will have the money and they'll be able to offer it to him, he might decide he wants to play for Carolina next year. Or he might want to go and play for Dallas or Minnesota. Who knows? Well so, if memory serves, I think he's an RFA, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. They can give him now, a call. Yes, you're offer, right yeah. in terms of the long term commitments because we've seen other other players for other teams say well, I don't want to remain because I don't want to do that long term. Mm-hmm. Even if they're an RFA, they can flex. Yes. So, it, it, again, looking at that, and then obviously you see what Los Angeles Los Angeles just did. They traded Jonathan Quick. They trade him to Columbus. Then Columbus trades him to Vegas. I, I mean, this this has been a crazy trade deadline, and I, I think. When you you variate what could happen going into the playoffs with all these transitional players that went from one team to another team, it could change the outlook of the playoffs more this year than it ever has year in and year out. You mentioned Colorado. Colorado didn't make any big moves, but they're they're getting healthy now. And I think Colorado is still the most dangerous team in the Western Conference. And yes, I think Colorado could beat any team in the Eastern Conference. So... What are your thoughts this year? Why has the Western Conference fallen off as fast as it has from last year? And Eastern Conference is just slowly but surely just growing and getting better and better from what we saw last year into this year. Well, the East has always been very tight. Um, You know, that's year after year. It's always tight, as you know, uh, Eiler and even uh, PD as a a Ranger fan. It's always a battle to the end. Western is, there's a lot more parity. Um, and some teams have really fallen off the map um, over there. So, you know, I really think that it's kind of been this way for a while. You know, Colorado is, I, I agree with you. They're always dangerous, especially as they're getting healthy. Now, are they the same team? They've made a lot of personnel changes from last year. And we're going to see in the playoffs how that really measures out. They could easily overcome it. Or we might see where those things actually pop up, where those matchups don't really happen in the same way anymore. 
that's going to be very interesting. But the Western Conference has never been that tight. It's always been a, a big disparity. And there's always a bunch of teams coming in five, six, seven, and eight that don't even match up closely anywhere near the top. While in the East, there's not much difference between, you know, except for, you know, right now the Penguins and the Islanders are not in very good shape compared to the, but usually it's from one through eight, it's, it's a crapshoot. It's not, there's never something that's completely a crazy matchup in the playoffs. The East is a very tight and it's been that way for a long time now. So I want to ask, as I am a Ranger fan, you talk about the two trades they made with the Kane and Tarasenko, both, I think, nationally thought of as bargains with everything that we've heard. But if you were to say a weakness of the Rangers that they have going into the playoffs, either whether whether it's with a talent or a concept on the ice that you're worried about, I'm worried about it. the face-offs a little bit. It's still been down. A lot of Ranger fans are still concerned about their defensive depth. Do you have anything that would worry you about the Rangers going into the playoffs? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've always had some uh, takes on the Rangers. Uh, one is I'm the oldest of uh, the three Galoff boys. And the other two are Ranger fans. Oh. Um, in fact, the uh, the the my uh, middle brother Scott had written uh, way back and did uh, Rangers blog way back, and you know, in talking to them and kind of talking it out, one of the things that concerns me is, look, yeah, yeah, Tarasenko, that's fine. Adding Kane, now it's look, the and the the issue with the Rangers have a great goaltender, but the defense is the defensive depth and and the and the and defense is where in the playoffs is where it really matters, and that I don't think quite matches up very well with against the other teams. You have very powerful offense that's even more powerful now, but the two players are also terribly defensively. And that puts a lot on the defense, which I do think we've we've seen a couple of weaknesses lately. And, you know, and I don't know if the defense is I, I really feel like the Rangers really need to make a defensive move. But you'll, we'll see what happens. But I think if you can shore that up a little bit, you're much more dangerous in the playoffs. The other that you can definitely get past the first round. But I'm, you know, once it comes to those teams that can really grind it out and really shut down that type of offense, let's say a Tampa um, or one that has so much speed like Carolina. I, I really think that's where the Rangers might falter as they're made now, but you know, then all of a sudden they could play much tighter in the, in the, in the playoffs, but right. That, that's where I see the weaknesses, and I think that they need to make one more move. Toronto made some big moves at the trade deadline. Uh, this team is loaded. Uh, their goaltending is the question mark with this team. It's always been the question mark from this team. John Tavares, Matthews, William uh, Nylander, who has had a great season. He leads the team in goals. Who would have thought that? Uh, 33 goals. Uh, uh, Mitchell Marner is has 76 points. I mean, this team is really playing great hockey. And, they, and like I said, they've added some nice pieces. Uh, is this the fir first time go this year going into the playoffs? Is this team going to be as dangerous as this roster was put together at the trade deadline? 
I, I think so. I think that they've, look, they learned a lot of things on the way. I do think they're in a better place to make and get through a team like Tampa this year. I think they've added the right type of people. Can, can they? That's a whole nother question. And that's going to be interesting to watch. But, you know, sometimes when you're the, you want to be in the top four teams and Toronto's part of that. And they've been there in that conversation for a couple of years now. And then it becomes about working out the kinks. You know, sometimes it happens right away. Sometimes you got to work out the kinks, eat a, some disappointment losses and figure out what you need and put that all together. You know, Toronto will always blame the goaltender, no matter what happens that happens every year, you know, and because they overrate whoever they have um, there, but I think that it's in the past, their defense has been suspect suspect. I think that they're in a better place. Is it good enough is the question. And I'm not really sure because there's some powerful teams in the East that they have to face, but they are definitely in, in a better place. I think to, to, to take, take one of them out, take out Tampa, take out Carolina, even take out the Bruins. It, it wouldn't surprise me while in other years I was like, they're not going to get through mm. this year. I'm like, maybe they could. So I don't want to see them. <laughs> I don't want to see them. Uh, I want to see them for another year losing the first round. I, I, you know, from, from one Island fan to another, I do not, I do not want to see John Tavares get out of the first round. I want to see him miserably every single year losing the first round because he decided to part ways with the Islanders and screw the Islanders the way he did. And maybe it was the best thing for the Islanders, him leaving and going back to Toronto where he's wearing his pajamas or whatever the heck he was taking pictures. <laughs> I don't of. think it was necessarily the best thing. I think what really worked was Lou came in and did what Garth was a weakness throughout his entire tenure. Um, you know, there's good and bad aspects, but one of the things he never did was go out and get a, a coach with a track record and with true acumen and a le- an NHL level track record of success. And Trotz took that because the Islanders already had the core players and look how they thrived Im- immediately with trots. So, you know, that's, that's the difference there. And, you know, and they miss those goals and it's something they actually, that's what Horvat actually address. BD, let me ask you a question. I'm sorry to cut you off. Let me ask you a serious question. If John Tavares was on that, the last time they went to the Easter conference finals game seven, they lost one to nothing on a shorthanded goal. If you remember, if John Tavares plays in that game or plays in that series, do the Islanders win that series? And do the Islanders win the Stanley Cup that year against Montreal? Um, I don't know because the way Toronto, the way Tampa played in that game is they out Islanders the Islanders. They were, you know, Trotz's Islander team was a grinding team. And Tampa shifted gears and out grinded us. So I think JT would have been just as shut down as anybody else. I don't know if it would have made a difference because in that game, it was just so tight 
as they were just closing and closing the vice and took advantage of the one mistake. And that was the difference. And I don't think just adding JT to that would make, turn that around. I think maybe they wouldn't get into that situation, but I think what it was is it was a defensive grinding it out in Tampa just showed how good they were to play our game and played it better than we did. So I don't know if JT would have made that difference. John Tavares knows about getting shut out or struggling offensively Boy, in sevens anyway with the Leafs. He's just carried it over. Why not? I, I just find it funny, even I'm not being an Islander fan, like, I just want them to keep losing in the first round just because of the Twitter account since Leafs' last cup is hilarious because they count down the days <laughs> since 1967 during the last cup, and they count every time in the first round they mention, oh, wait, we lost in the first round. We haven't been this long. They bring that up once in a while. And 20 then, years. This is the funniest one. The amount of days since they lost to the AHL Zamboni driver with the Hurricanes. <laughs> that was great, too. So I just wanted to keep going just for that. So my question is, uh, you were talking about the East and the West discrepancy before. Who do you think is your favorite out of the West right now because it's so wide open? Oh, um, shit, I haven't even thought about that. Um, you know what? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I would have to say I think Edmonton really shored up huge weaknesses to be a player. I think that, I do think that Colorado's still dangerous. Um, I really don't know. I think it's kind of crazy out there. I don't know what's going to happen in the West. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm not really quite sure. But I think that, uh, you know, someone like, like Edmonton, and uh, and Colorado is always somebody that, especially if they're healthy, if if someone gets hurt, then it's not going to be there. And I think it's it's wide open. Well, so. I think it's Vegas and Colorado in the West. I think in the Eastern Conference, it's Boston. And I'm I'm going I'm I'm going to take this and I'm going to sell this. I think the Devils are going to be a lot dangerous than people think they're going to be. They're young. They have a lot of energy. Jack Hughes will be back for the playoffs. He's been fantastic this year. He's been the star that everybody expected him to be. I was there at the draft. I listened to all the different writers that were there telling me that this guy, John Van Beesbrook, was a guy that told me straight out, this kid is the real deal. It's going to take him a couple years to figure it out. But when he does, he's going to be very hard to beat. And look. All his brothers, you look at every single one of them. Quinn, he was a first-round draft pick. Look at look at the talented player that he is in Vancouver. His other brother was drafted in the first round by the Devils. He's a defenseman. He's going to be called up probably next year. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if all the brothers are going to be playing on the Devils in the long run. So uh, I think the Devils are dangerous. I really do, and I think Boston is, is as, as dangerous. Yes, if the Islanders somehow sneak into the playoffs, and I – I just have this thing about the Islanders as much as I'm an Islander fan. They have to, and I, I told this to Rob, they have to win out of the 18 games. They have to win 13 out of the 18. There is no way they're making the playoffs with all these other teams in the game in hand. And these teams know that they have games in hand against the, uh, against the Islanders or put the Islanders in that situation. I, I just don't know if it's enough if the Islanders don't make another move at the uh, at the end of uh, the trade deadline tomorrow, so I, I worry about that. But I think you're you're right to worry. It's the Islanders are a flawed team. Mm -hmm. They have been getting older. 
And they're the oldest team in hockey. Too much, too much concentration on keeping older players than bringing in younger players. Thank you, Lou. Giving away first round draft picks. You know, there's some moves that he's made that are good with Horvat and getting Pajot and, uh, you know, some of that. But there's been a concentration there and not enough pieces coming in. And those pieces coming in are just fillers or, you know, maybe third liners or fourth liners. No one's coming in and going to take over the second or first line. No one's coming in defensively and going to be in the top four. So one of the biggest weaknesses the Islanders have is they don't have a true top four defenseman since Taves, you know, and that really hurts. Dobson, as much offense as he brings, he has been horrendous defensively this year. And by the way, as everybody was looking at all the goals he scored last year, he was horrendous defensively last year. So that, you know, they, they really have a problem defensively and it comes up time and time again. And yes, they have great goaltending that can drag them through as Rob had cited. And that does matter because they've been running that with under the trot system, even before lane. So the fact is that, you know, but the Islanders still have a lot of weaknesses and, you know, they really need to make a defensive move. They need someone who can be solid defensively, maybe that can run with Dobson. And because Romanoff is not a second pairing defenseman. Hmm. And that's, you know, and they paid a high price for that, thinking that he, he was more than that. And, and I think that's really hurting them. The Islanders should have been in better position for this year. And they're not. And, and people last year tried to, so we saw some of this last year and, you know, people said, well, it's because of COVID it's because of injuries, injuries happen, but these things were peaking out last year too. And it doesn't matter if you change the, the coach though, you know, some of the, some of the moves that sometimes he makes this year, it's kind of a head scratcher, but you know, the Islanders are a flawed team, but they're capable of, of making that spot. They're, they have a core players and a lot of character and, and, you know, a lot of guts and, you know, they seem to will some wins, but can they get there? They can, and they can always be dangerous in the playoffs, especially if can, Barzell can come back uh, because you always need skill in there and we'll see what happens. But I do think, you know, if they miss it, well, this was going this way for a while. And, you know, then that's the, the cost. And then the Islander owners got to be super frustrated because it'll be the second year after opening in Belmont and, and no playoffs. Yeah, I'm worried about it. Um, but I will say this. If the Islanders don't make the playoffs this year, I think Lou needs to go. I think Lambert might not be the guy moving forward with this team. I think the Islanders need to bring in a new GM, new coach, and uh, – start to rebuild, maybe trade away pieces and move pieces around because I just don't know if uh, the – I mean, Bo Horvat and Barzell are the the centerpieces of this team moving forward. But besides those guys, Brock Nelson is getting old. This team is getting old. You bring in Paul Mary, you have Zach Parisi. I think that they need to figure out how they can reconstruct this team because they're just 
not ready to win now anymore. And they, they paid Pelic. They paid Pulak. I think Pelic's a good guy. I think he's a good player. But I think Pulak has fallen off. I think this team has fallen off. But that's just a whole nother story. <laughs> um, BD, we really appreciate your time as always. Keep up the good work, my friend. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great talking to you. Absolutely. Uh, as everybody knows, we were just talking to the host of Top Shelf Hockey Cast, longtime NHL and Islanders writer, BD. Galloff, uh, fantastic guy, good guy, Islander guy. Uh, unfortunately, us Islander fans should not be happy about what is going on with this team and this organization. And if the Islanders do not make the playoffs for again another year, back to back years, um, I think Lou needs to start to believe that his time as the GM here in New York is over because it's just. As much as I love what Lou has done over the years, we've been to -to back-to-back Eastern Conference championships. He brought in Barry Trotz. He's also the one who let Barry Trotz go and and bring in Lambert. And and, and, And I like Lambert. I think he's a good coach, but not to this team. This team is is a veteran team. You need to bring in a veteran coach that can coach veteran players, not a rookie coach that can't coach veteran players. And and I don't want to hear about you know what people think about Dobson and and everything like that. Dobson has regressed because of the coaching. Has nothing to do with his talent. The guy is as talented as any defenseman in a league. He's just he's not being very well coached. And and you could see that. And and by the way, Lou, stop I stop beating around the bush at these press conferences. When somebody asks you are you are you interested in another player? Are you are you looking at the value that is available uh, before the trade deadline is over? You know you are, okay? But you haven't really pulled the trigger. You've seen so many good players come off the board, and you should have been pulling the trigger. You've given away your, the future of the Islanders. I mean, every single year he gives up the future of the Islanders. He just traded Roddy. Roddy has been he, – he was their best prospect. He's gone. He goes to Vancouver, could turn out to be a star. He gives up this year's first-round draft. And I, I understand it's Bo Horvat. I understand he's talented. He was the captain of Vancouver. But that pick could be a lottery pick this year. Could And it could very much be Bedard. Who knows? Knowing the Islanders and the Islanders' luck, the Islanders don't make the playoffs. That pick is like 13 or 12. Uh, they fall at the 13 or 12 spot. And that pick becomes the number one pick. And Vancouver gets... Bedard, which is everybody's craving going into the offseason. Then against Vancouver, they probably aren't that lucky either, though. <laughs> Who knows? I, I mean, it, it seems like the Islanders' luck, but that's it. The league I, wants just... it to be Montreal. We all know that. <laughs> Before we – we have a lot to get into, and we have an hour left to the show. So uh, Pasternak uh, gets – David Pasternak gets a eight-year, $90 million deal, averaging about 11.25 uh, this guy absolutely deserves it. This guy is one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. This guy is as, a, as consistent as any goal scorer has been in the NHL for the last four years. Um, and, and he's doing it again this year. I, I mean, there's really nothing bad about saying nothing bad to say about this guy. He's not a defensive-minded player. We all know that. But when he gets on the ice, you expect him every single time when he shoots the puck to put the puck in the net. And he's done that this year. So, um I I've always liked uh, Pasternak always, and and if he ever became available, and I know the Islanders 
uh, there was stories going coming out from Lou Lamorello and the Islanders in the beginning of the season. The season, if if David Pasternak becomes available, that the Islanders would be very interested in making a move for him. Uh, he is not going to be available for the next eight years. He will be finishing his career uh, with the beast. From the East, Boston Bruins. Yeah, one of the goal scorers that have been high 30s and 40 goal scoring seasons that we've seen recently is 42 this year, 40 last year, and 95 points in that COVID shortened season. He was on track probably for a heart trophy that year. That uh, At the time that he was, he was in that before the season got shut down, 70 games, 95 points he had, led the league in power play goals and game-winning goals. So it was only a matter of time before the Bruins finally do that. A lot of Bruins for taking shots at Don Sweeney for not getting this job, deal done faster, and now he gets it very well-deserved for Pasternak as well. Oh, I, I, I think He's a great player and very well-deserved. Uh, and you, you see all the top goal-scoring uh, players in the NHL making the money that they have made. Um, and he's making a pretty good salary. And, and, and here's another thing. It's very hard to find uh, a sniper in this league. There are not many of them. There's probably, honestly, about seven guys in the league that you can call them snipers. They, you're, they're going to give you, year in and year out, 35 to 40 goals. Pasternak is one of those. He is one of those guys. He is a consistent 35-40 goal scorer. And that's why you can't – these guys don't grow on trees. Ask the Islanders. They haven't had a guy like that since John Tavares. And John Tavares, as good as he was with the Islanders, he's nowhere close to the player uh, David Pasternak is. So, and Pasternak has been – he has played in a Stanley Cup. He's been there before. Okay, uh, John Tavares can't get out of the first round, so I, I mean that's the difference. And, and and to me, this this Bruin team has to have the the goal scoring and needed the goal scoring to put themselves in position to be where they are this year. And David Pasternak has really been one of those leaders and one of those players that really have taken them to where they are and where they're going to possibly be moving forward going into the playoffs. And Rob talked about it too and he was on the it was there on earlier and he talked about it when we had him on the show at the beginning of the season yep. too like he thought they were going to fall off. I did too. I, I honestly I didn't think that, that this was going to be a, a gap year and then next year was going to be their bigger year once they got everything sorted out. We were both wrong on that. We'll both take the L on that, Rob mm-hmm. and I. And Pasternak's been the one steady force amidst all those injuries, too. We talked about McAvoy and Marshan at the beginning of the season. And he's been consistently good in getting the depth going, just think, too. Just think what the Boston Bruins have done. And, yes, I do talk about Boston sports on this show, even though we are here in New York. The one thing that really stuck out to me this offseason is changing the coaches. That changed everything. That has changed the... The, the thought of where this team has gone. And, and by the way, guys like Jeff, who said before the season start started that this team was not going to be a first-half team because of all their injuries and, and, and obviously all these guys like Bergeron and Marchant and McEl- McElvoy getting all these procedures and, and surgeries done in the offseason, they were not going to be ready for the season. Well... Jeff was wrong, and a lot of Boston Bruins fans were wrong. This team has been, and yes, did anybody think Allmark was going to have the season that he had this year? No. Come on, I mean, he is breaking records. This guy could go. This guy could go down having the best numbers any goaltender's ever had in a regular season in history. I mean, we thought Shesterkin's season last year was fantastic. This is going to break any Shesterkin numbers that he put up last year for the Rangers. I mean, 
Shesterkin didn't score a goal last uh, last year. No, he did not. I, I mean, it's uh, this guy's having a fantastic year. Honestly, everybody asked me, who would I rather want on my roster? All Allmark or Swayman? I, I'm going to take the younger guy. I would take Swayman. Uh, yes, Allmark's having a, a, a record-breaking year. But is Allmark going to do this year in and year out? If you look at Allmark's numbers before this year, they're not that great. I mean, Allmark was a... What would you, what would you call Allmark? Was he, he was a good, but not mediocre amazing. goaltender? He was. I would say he was good. I would be a Buffalo situation made it really bad for him last year with the Bruins. He was good, two point four five goals against a nine seventeen save percentage. And the, the last two years of Buffalo too was was again for the standards of how bad that team was. He still had a similar level save percentage as he had last year with the Bruins, but he just again because that defense was so bad, that team was just so, so poorly coached. They never got there. And uh, we yeah, welcome Jeff before, back. Again. Before you put him on, yep. hold on. Yeah, good. I'm looking at all Mark's numbers. In 2015, 2016, he was eight and ten. 2016 and 17, he was one. He, he was zero and one. I know he only played one game. 2007, 2018. I'm going to go to the seasons that he played some games. Games played in 2018, 2019, 30, 37 games, 15 and 14. Uh, his goals against his goals against average was 311. Save percentage 905. 2019-2020, he was 17-14, and 14, 2.69, 9.15. I mean, if you look at his numbers, this year is is by far has been his best years. And and you said he was good. I Looking at these numbers, he was a decent goaltender. Decent. And yes, he's only been on Boston for two years, and he's still fairly young. I'm still taking the kid Swayman. Go look at Swayman's numbers for the couple of years he's been on Boston. I'm not saying that I'm not going to keep Allmark, but eventually you're going to have to transition with the young kid. That's what I would do. I, I This is your guy. This is a guy that you drafted in Swayman. This is a guy that you were looking towards being the future of your organization. Uh, you, you added Linus Allmark. Uh, what was it, two years ago from Buffalo, Buffalo, and Buffalo's traded away and, and given up on so many good goaltenders. Go look at the past with this team. How many good goaltenders? It's the curse of Ryan Miller. And and Ryan Miller, Lerner, I mean, all these guys that have come from this organization. After they leave these, these organizations, they become outstanding goaltenders. But anyways, Jeff, what's up, man? Yeah, the Bruins are the best team in hockey, hands down. Thank you, we know. Hands down. <laughs> we know. Hands down. It's not even close. They have hey, – look, everyone's got good players at the top. You can look at any team and you can go Toronto with Tavares, uh, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Like, everyone's got top lines. So mentioning the top lines is just pointless because everyone's top lines kind of match up with each other, right? The Rangers have some a, a great top-end guys, Zabinijan, Panarin, Kane, Tarasenko, uh, you know, like – the top lines, everyone knows. This is a bottom six league. That's what it is. And the Bruins have the best bottom six. And you just heard the guy say it. <clears throat> the teams that ha- are the deepest on defense are the ones that are going to go the furthest. I dare you to find six better defensemen than McAvoy, Lindholm, or Skorlov. He's on a streak right now, so Skorlov. Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizzlick, and the best defender on penalty kill in hockey, Derek Forbort. You can't you can't find better defense. No one's that deep. 
Well, it's good that you uh, called back the show because I want to speak about the combine. Um, it has, it, it's definitely going to be talked about over the next couple of days because uh, we still have the weekend. We still are going to have the opportunity to see the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the corners that we're going to see tomorrow, the safeties. So. The first day, a lot of the defensive linemen, uh, the linebackers, uh, you know, put, you know, strunt this stuff, put them, put their uh, names out there and, and showed a little bit of their speed, their jumping ability and their strength. What stood out on the first day as far as what you have seen? The only thing that really stands, and, and let me just start by saying, I put no stock in this. I know. It's the Most underwear Olympics. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> Like, the only thing that kind of matters is, like, you pair up some numbers with how they played and you get kind of some comparisons that maybe make it okay. But there's a lot of frauds here. But obviously, the one that stands out is Kalijah Kansi. I mean, the dude just ran like the wind. For a big dude that's 285 pounds, and to run that fast, what do you run, a 4.5 or a 4.6 or something? And he's like a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's impressive. It's, I mean, it's, it's not as impressive as what Jordan Davis did last year because Jordan Davis, I think, is like 310 or something like right. that. So, he, so he's carrying 30 extra pounds. But 280 is what? A Popeye's meal away from that? <laughs> yeah, it ran a 4.67, which was the most for an uh, interior defensive lineman that we've seen. I guess it, what you would call the combat. He's not era. a tall guy for a defensive tackle. Right. Six foot one, and I th- that will hurt him uh, as far as the draft is it, concerned. I don't think it will there. You don't? I, interior, no, interior lineman. I don't think the height really matters as much there. You can see some smaller guys. Vince Wilfork wasn't like a super tall Aaron guy. Donald. Aaron Donald yes. is not a super tall guy. Right, this kid's six one, so it's like, you know, it's it's not great, but it's not like detrimental. I don't think. I think he can, you know, he can still get it done. Right. I think you could be right, and and I watched a little bit of the combine today. Uh, Speedy and me were watching it before the show, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the quarterbacks and the running backs and the wide receivers, the offense, because that's what really. I, I know there was a lot of impressive things last year that we saw at the combine, especially Jordan Davis and how he ran. And, and some of the corners, yeah, great yes. Georgia Bulldog. But we have to see him do it in the NFL. We did not see him do it in the NFL this year. I know he was hurt. You did. No, you what, did. What did we see? What did we see of Jordan, Jordan Davis? Jordan Davis was terrific this year. Really? Yeah. What yeah, made him was. terrific? Jordan Davis was terrific. What made Dude, him terrific? He was a great run stopping presence for yeah. that defense. Now he did get hurt a, a little in the. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm right. Big deal. So he missed five games. He he was still a great run stopper for that team, and he provided the interior push that allowed guys like Hassan Reddick to to have more one on one matchups. You gotta double team Jordan Davis. He's a beast. Dude's a beast. I had Jordan to double team him because they have too much depth on that interior. Yeah, I mean, dude, Jordan Davis was really good this year. I realized he got hurt. Really good outing for, for he played a, thirteen uh, games. Season. He he played thirteen games. Okay, that's, that's right. All right, all right. Eight tackles, ten assists, and no sacks. <clears throat> this guy, everybody was, especially you, blowing him out of proportion. Now, I'm not saying he's not, not going. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me speak for a second. I am not saying Jordan Davis is not going to be a great player. I think he, he is. I think he is. But to say that he had a good year this year is crazy. 
He played 13 no, he games. Yeah, no, come on, Jeff. This is not a good year. 13 games. He played 13 games. He had eight tackles and 10 assists. That's it. Not eight not solo all. tackles. I That's mean, a good. Dude, Speedy, would you I, think those were good numbers for 13? Not games? for a pass rusher. Now, Jeff is right about the run defense. I saw a stat where the Eagles, when Jordan Davis was on the field, allowed a half a yard less per game when Jordan Davis was Maybe on the field. Maybe because of his he body. He wasn't tackling. No, but again, the presence still helps because of his size and helping but other guys win one on one matchups, block shedding wise. But Speedy, pass rushing is still mm, not there yet. Here we but go. Speedy, but, Speedy, don't do this. But, Speedy, don't do this for mm-hmm. him because he's an only numbers guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. He doesn't watch enough football, or he's not uh, educated enough hold to know on. that you can affect hold the on. football game without making Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you <clears throat> not? Did you not say that he was going to throw lines around this year? Did you not say that? He's he's. Did you not? Did you not? All right. How many rookies we seen? How many rookies have we seen throw offensive lines around? How many rookies? Not many. Oh, get out of here, Jeff. Come on. Not many. Come on, Jeff. Not many. Oh, Aaron, Do- uh, Aaron Donald him. being one of them. Not his rookie year. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He was year. And he was an all-pro player. What are you talking about? Okay, one. Oh, okay, one. 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 What do you want me to do? You want me to go up and down? Okay, I, I, didn't put in, I didn't put him. I didn't put him. Jeff, I... I, I, what do you? Quinn Williams had a better year in his first year with the Jets. Definitely not. No, hundred percent. Definitely. Speedy, not. go pick up. All right, go I'll, bring I'll up Quinn Williams. You, I'll give you Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams didn't have a great rookie year, but he still had a good rookie year. The other two defensive tackles of that draft, though, were Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence, who both had very good years as their rookie years as well. And to to 2019. Josh Allen was the only underwhelming pass rusher that that rookie year, but Nick Bosa still obviously was great. Quinn Williams, in his first year, played 13 games like Jordan Davis. He had three sacks. Oh, but you but, hold, hold on, on. hold so on, hold on. You're saying Quinn and Williams had a great year playing 13 games, but Jordan Davis played 13 games not very good. Uh, yeah, because he had better numbers. Uh, he, he had three sacks. Combination solo, fifteen solo, thirteen assists. Uh, yeah, he had a couple, he had a, so he had a couple he, more tackles. He so couple, tackles couple more, Jeff. So more he had three him. sacks. He had three oh, sacks. Wow, three sacks. Yeah. Oh my God, Jeff. Three Jeff. Sacks. Jeff. Two thousand nineteen Jets defense was. Were they anywhere close to the Eagles defense this year? Were they no, anywhere no, no. close? No, no, no. The Eagles had far more players. That's all right, sure. all right. That's for sure. So that just tells you how good Quinn Williams was. Compared mm. to Jordan Davis. Dude, the numbers are pretty comparable, and you're saying Quentin Williams was great and Jordan Davis was not. I'm, yeah, the I'm, I'm, the no, no they're not. Yes, no, they are. He didn't have a sack. What are you so talking what? about? He, so what? He did not. It's not great, comparable. You, you cannot oh, compare Quinn fun, Williams' rookie season to his. I'm sorry, you can't. Yeah, you, yeah, you can. It's Jeff. five tackles. That's the difference. Five tackles? Come on, Jeff. Come on. Come on, Jeff. You you can't five sell. Tackle. You cannot five, five sell me that. Tackles, Hall of Fame, 10 <laughs> oh my God! I I'll sit here. And I, I could argue so many different guys. If I if I had if I had teams and defensive Jordan tackles. Jordan Davis had a decent. Jordan Davis no, had didn't. a pretty good year, man. No, he, he, did. Did. he had a pretty good. Year. I you like Jordan affect, Davis. First rookie season. Football games by more than just stats, though. That's what that's you don't fine. realize. I do realize that. No, I you don't do. because your default is speedy. Go to the numbers. No, what? I Jeff, that was the first thing you, you said. want me to. The first thing you, you want me to. Honestly, Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis disappeared in games. He disappeared. Why did they bring in a Dominican Sue or Joseph? Because, because oh, Jordan oh, Davis. Oh, please, let's hear it. Uh, no, that's not why. 
That's not why. Because also, not, that's not why. It is why. No, it's not, Jeff. When, when did the You're going to bring there? in. When did the Indomitian Sioux arrive there? Um, what do you mean? When did they oh, arrive there? So, right. It just so co- it, it just so happened to coincide with Jordan Davis's injury. Jordan mm, Davis played 13 that's games. Strange. How does that make sense? He played 13 games this year. Right. Okay. He got hurt. He got hurt week 10 uh-huh. and then came back uh-huh. like week 15. Okay. And they still had a right. Sue, and they still had Joseph. Why did they need to bring in two guys? Because obviously they, they needed more sure firepower. Because they weren't sure with his injury if he was going to come back. He was questionable to come back. Let me ask you That's a question. Let me, let me ask you a question. When Sue and Joseph came to the Philadelphia Eagles, for the little bit of time they played for the Eagles, do you think they had more of an impact than maybe, Jordan maybe Davis? Maybe Sue isn't the same Indomitian Sue. No, he's not. I mean, that's... No, he's not. I mean, it's clearly why he was available week 11 just sitting on his couch at home. No because, question. Look, he's a big name, but, like, come on, what, what are we doing here? He's not the same guy. I never said that he was. I'm just saying what I what I see <laughs> and why the Philadelphia right, they did needed that. a veteran president. I, and I, and I again, many guys that available, and they brought him in with Jordan Davis. Card. All right, let, let's get off the whole Jordan Davis thing because I don't want it to drag. But I, I did not believe Jordan Davis had a great year. Okay, that's just my opinion. Yeah, pretty good year. No, I'm not saying he had a great year. He had a pretty good year. All right, that's your opinion, not mine. Anyways, um, what else did you see? We obviously checked out Mike Morris. And what he did at the Combine today. He actually had a pretty good day. Uh, Speedy, why don't you put up the numbers? Uh, we had Mike on the show about three weeks ago. Nice kid from Michigan. Uh, defensive lineman Let's of the strike year. Strike one. What? Uh, <laughs> strike that. Of course. Strike one. But uh, <laughs> Carl's not even in the feed tonight. No, <laughs> I haven't seen Carl in the last week, week and a half. So uh, hopefully Carl's okay and he's doing okay. Well, his basketball team lost tonight, so he's probably sad. Well, well, who's his basketball team? Michigan. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know. Because I, I, I know he watches a lot of NBA, too. So, anyways. Well, Chicago Bulls are not much better. So, whichever, whichever basketball team you want to judge, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're going to be talking about rebuilding in the offseason. But, anyways, be the one team Chicago can beat. So they have Mike Morris had a 4.9540 yard dash. He was a, a split 1.72 seconds. He had a vertical jump, which was pretty good for a defensive lineman, 28.5, and a broad jump of 9 foot uh, 2 inches in total. Is expected to be a second-round draft pick. So uh, putting up the numbers. It's just so funny. Yeah. You even mentioning broad jump. I couldn't even fucking imagine what, where you're even going to, like, measure how that would like help an NFL player. Like when was the last time you're like, Oh, I got a broad jump over four players to get onto that ball. All right. Let's get off that. And Jeff, let me ask you a question. What are you looking forward to this weekend? I know you're not a combine fan, but, uh, Obviously, the quarterbacks are the ones that stand out. Is Bryce Young throwing this weekend? Is C.J. CJ Strout throwing this weekend? Anthony Richardson, I know, is probably throwing this weekend. He has a lot to prove. At, and then Will Levis, he, he's a guy that obviously has to show uh, you know, coaches and GMs that he could throw and he's healthy from his injury. What are you looking forward to seeing at the Combine this weekend? Nothing. Honestly, nothing. I knew you were going to say this. Like, I'm I'm honestly, like, you know, the 40 number matters, and then probably the three-cone drill matters. And just kind of comparing those numbers to, like, past guys and see what it is. Because it it really is, for an evaluation standpoint, it really is just a marriage of, let's see how fast they actually really run, because everyone in the NFL is fast, so that that matters. The three-cone matters just because it's a start-and-stop kind of thing. 
right? Agility, uh, change yeah. of direction. Right. right, agility, change of direction, that kind of thing. And then you marry it with, you know, who did they play against in college? Like, you know, I hate to even do this because it's so dumb, but the bench press kind of matters too. You'd like to see how strong somebody is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I want to see. I, I want to see if Will Levis <laughs> is actually going to throw. I want to see how healthy he is. Uh, that, and also Hendon Hooker, because, another guy that yeah, I want to see. Oh God, don't even get me started with it. Why? Why don't you like Hendon Hooker, dude? So okay, he had a good year this year, mm-hmm. but the previous year, did you see some of the decisions he made? Yes. That that old Miss game when they were driving down to try to score a uh, touchdown. He's got, dude. He's got the 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 sense of clock in his head. The, the same one Dak Prescott has. The dude is lost on a football field. Go and watch the old Miss game from two years ago when he's running around as the clock's running down like a chicken with his head cut off like an idiot. And then when the clock finally expires, what does he do? He throws the ball away. Hmm. Well, I understand. And I I know what you remember two years ago might not be the same quarterback that you saw this year. He had a very good year this year, and, and that's what obviously he, GMs – he did have a good but year. Did, he did. Uh, but but did he, though? All he did was throw screen passes. And then when the defense would cheat up on him, he would throw it over their heads. Like, that's all he really did. I don't think he's all that great of a quarterback, dude. Now, like, you're not going to go to the NFL and throw 25 screen passes in a game. It's not happening. Do you I, think he was a product of those wide receivers? Because Jalen Hyatt's getting a lot of hype as probably a late first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick. People were worried about his size like they were with Devontae Smith. <clears throat> and then uh, Cedric Tillman, too, the other one that had a nice year when he was healthy. 100, 100% th- that those two receivers are uh, – at least in college, who knows what they're going to be in pros. I'd like to see some of their 40s and stuff. Hyatt's got some size to him. Tillman, I know, is really fast, but we'll we'll see what he actually runs. But yeah, 100% Hendon Hooker was a product of the system. You can go and look at what Heupel did with UCF, right? Did Dylan Gabriel have a good year with, with Oklahoma this year? No, no. But, he was all, but he was all world with UCF, wasn't he? Yep. Right, one hundred percent. Hendon Hooker was a product. Was, was Hendon Hooker any good when he was leading uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies? No, no one cared. But you could change. You could get better by year by you year. Can, you can't change, and you can't get better. That's not you true. That's not true, Jeff. That's not true. That's not really? true, Jeff. No, really. That's who, not true. Who, who completely changed? What do you that, mean? That actually made it as a quarterback who, in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. So who completely changed when they came into the NFL? They, they kind of are who they are. That's kind of what it is. Sure, you might find some diamonds in the rough that, that are guys that didn't go, go to, like, big schools like Flacco at Delaware or Delaware State or I don't know. Whatever the Josh Allen, but, Jimmy Garoppolo. J- J- but no, but that's not true. Josh Allen was a projected first overall pick. Like, so every year ESPN does the thing where, like, when the draft ends – uh, they go, who's the number one pick uh, next year? And every, go back and watch that show. They all picked Josh Allen to be the number one overall pick the following year. So everyone knew who Josh Allen was, even before he got to the draft. Like, I'm talking like a Tony Romo or a Jimmy Garoppolo, like at small schools that kind of pop up or whatever. But you kind of know who most of these guys are because you know who Bryce Young is because mm-hmm. you've seen him on TV every week. You know He's who small. CJ Stroud is because you saw him on TV every week. This is the worst. Right? This is the worst quarterback class we've seen in a long time. Everybody <laughs> said that this was going to be a good quarterback class. I do oh, that's not. That's not even close to true. That's not even. Close I to think true. this is a horrible the, the, quarterback the Dwayne class. Haskin, the Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones class was even thinner. 
Well, you got well, hold on one second. You had Kyler Murray in that draft. He's he no, could still no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Not in the not in the Daniel Jones Dwayne Haskins draft. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it was. He was the first pick. Yes, he was. was he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, you, oh, that was his draft. I thought yeah. he was a different draft. No, he was. No, he was, was the number surf. one pick. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. It? Yes, he was. And then you had uh, Daniel Jones. I think you had two quarterbacks that are still quality quarterbacks in the league. I don't know what Kyler Murray is going to be because the guy well, talks he's in a throwing sp- underhanded. Yeah, and, and he talks in throw. a third person. He thinks he's better than everybody else, but he's still and a quality Daniel quarterback. Jones is coming off. Yes, he's coming but, on. That's not I a don't big. Want to speak, this quarterback I don't want to speak clip. Ill of people that have passed on, but Dwayne Haskins was a complete and utter bust. This the tragic incident. Yes, this quarterback class is horrible. Okay, I I I, I would honestly so. say I I do. I think Will Levis. Might be the best quarterback in this class, but we don't even know that. We don't know how healthy he is coming Anthony back. Anthony Richardson's got some promise. <laughs> he's going to have to sit on the bench. I, what I've read about this kid is he's still two, three years away from being a star quarterback. Now, Carolina could draft him. Um, I think Carolina's drafting at nine. seven seven or eight or nine, whatever they're drafting. Uh, they're saying that they're interested in Anthony Richardson, but they're going to have to sit him on the bench at least two years before they bring him in. Frank Wright is the perfect guy to uh, get this guy to play and, and play the way he wants him to play, but you cannot bring him in as early as a lot of people think that he could uh, be the starting quarterback on this team because look, look what the Jets did, bringing in Zach Wilson too quick, and look, he he's failed as a starting quarterback for the New York Jets. You cannot bring in these guys. Bryce Young too small. Go look at him. He's five foot ten. Some people say he's five five nine and a half. And I mean, he, you could say too small, but he's probably going to be better than Kyler Murray. And he's just as small. I I I don't believe he's going to be better than Kyler Murray. I I, I think he's too thin. He Kyler Murray at least has meat on him. This guy is too thin. He looks like Devontae Smith as a quarterback. Look at his skinny legs, his skinny body. Do you know what defensive linemen are going to do to this kid? If he gets hit <clears throat> one time with the speed of the game the NFL delivers to these quarterbacks, I, I'm scared for Bryce Young. And he he could very much go number one. And a lot of people believe there are there are quite a few teams like Indianapolis that could jump to go to one to get Bryce Young. And that's if, scary. If, if you're asking me, I would take Stroud over. I would over too. Young. Because Stroud is bigger and he's got, he's got a little bit of weight behind him. But I still don't trust C.J. Stroud, even though he showed up in the the Final Four game and played very, very well. As a matter of fact, some people said they should have beaten Georgia, you know, the way they the way he played in that game. But nevertheless, is C.J. Stroud really going to be a good NFL quarterback? How many? Uh, honestly, uh, Ohio State quarterbacks are not very good in the NFL. They stink. Yeah, no, no, they they're stink. not. They're not. So. What makes anybody believe C.J. Stroud is going to change that batch of quarterbacks we've seen? So, Justin I'll, Fields I'll you, it was a I'll Georgia Bulldog. Change. That's what I'm going to say. No, I, I, yeah, no, I'll tell you what changed a lot of people mind, um, people's minds was that Georgia game. He was outstanding yes, he in was. that Georgia game. Yes, he was. He was. And I, I just said that. He was outstanding. I watched that whole game. Even in the final couple plays of the game, He, if it wasn't for that field goal, uh, Ohio State wins the game. Ohio State wins the game. But And that defense played very well at the end of the game as well against a very good Georgia offense. But nevertheless, I, I, I look at C.J. Shaw. I don't trust him. I don't trust Bryce Young. Anthony Richardson, he, he could be years, years away. They have to really coddle him and hope that he will be ready in two or three right years. System, yes. Yeah. And then Will Levis. 
We don't know what Will Levis is. He has the best arm in this draft class, no question. I would love to see if he's going to throw the ball at this combine. But nevertheless, there is nobody in this class that really stands out to me. Nobody. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's like four sleeper quarterbacks that kind of no one talks oh. about that could be pretty decent. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Mal- Malik Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty good. Jay Kaner. I like he's Kaner pretty too. Good. Mm-hmm. DTR. How, how do you how do you say no? Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yeah. Right, and then there's another one, kind of a sleeper, really interesting dude is Clayton Toon. Mm. Yeah, Dorian Thompson Robinson's gotten a lot of hype with the way that he played it this last year at UCLA. And I, I think kind of like Richardson, you would need the right scheme for him uh, because I think he did improve with his, his throwing, though. I, I was worried about him with throwing the ball. He was that typical college running quarterback his first couple of years. But last year, I, he did impress me throwing the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how that transitions. I'm with you on Hayner. And um, I think definitely you could, you could see that kind of thing be a sleeper in like a third round. I don't know if they would go any earlier than that, though. Well, but that's what but that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that these guys are first round picks or whatever. You know, some of these guys would be fourth, fifth, sixth round picks or whatever. You know, but yeah, Cunningham they're, would probably be a fourth round pick, I would think, just because I think uh, right. with his so, age. So too. will Hayner. Yeah. So will Hayner. But right. you know, don't sleep on Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon's got a big arm, and he threw it around the yard owl in mm. Houston a lot. Mm-hmm. So he's a dude that can chuck it too. Houston might have led. The country in passing yards, maybe. They were up there. I saw them at one point. They were they were second. I don't know if they ever surpassed number one, but I think <sighs> at one point, like eighth or ninth week of the college football season, they were number two. But he, but he did it every year he was there. He was, he was throwing the ball really well. So, like, there are some guys that, okay, they may not be very good, but there are some guys later on that have some serious tools, right? You can say – Say what you want about DTR. He's got some on count, and he's he's a guy that can run around a little bit. Maybe the decision making isn't great. Clayton Toon, big arm. People love guys with big arms, right? Mm. Malik Cunningham. Who's to say Malik Cunningham isn't? You know, he's at Louisville. Who's to say he's not Teddy Bridgewater and and Lamar Jackson, who both had good careers at, at Louisville? But I, I I will say this about this draft class. Last year, when we had all these. Uh, draft specialists and all these different guys that I know everybody says they're a specialist and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but they but say who's that, really a specialist. I'm just saying last year, they said that this year's class is so much better than last year's class. I beg to differ. Now there are some players that stand out. Jalen Hyatt is going to be a good player. Josh Downs, another good wide receiver. This, this is a pretty good class. Josh Downs is terrific. Yes. There's a couple K- of Kayshawn, yes. Kayshawn Boutte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, Kayshawn Boutte. This is you a know, good. I this mean, is a good class for wide receivers. There's no question. Even the the tight end class this year. There, I like the tight ends. Yeah. There's a lot of good tight ends. Uh, Musgra- Musgrave, uh, Michael Mayer. Uh, there there are Kincaid. Uh, there there are good players. Good tight ends in this class. And 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 we haven't seen a class like this is a this is a good offensive class. Uh, as far as like some offensive powerhouse players, the wide receivers, deep. the tight ends, the running backs, not a quarterback class deep again. Running back, yes, deep running yes, a hundred percent. And uh, but and then you look at the defensive players. Yes, this is a pretty good class. There's a couple of good pass rushers, but again, a year that you're uh, there might be three dominant defensive players or pass rushers in this class. <clears throat> there could be guys that you can find in the later rounds that could become stars, but nothing that really sticks out to you. And the, this class of corners. I don't know if it's as good as it was last year. 
Okay, there's a, this is a deep corner class. Brian Branch, there, Gonzalez, there are good players, there are good corners, but are they a Stingley, uh, Sauce, or any of these guys? I don't know. I don't know if this is a class this year like that. So, and it, and obviously, Jeff, you're a big uh, college football fan. Do you think that this class of corners are anywhere close to the the corners that we saw get drafted last year? I got to be honest, I haven't really seen too much of the – I'm trying to go in my email here and find uh, the list of corners because I haven't seen I'll, I'll read them off. I'll read them off to you. Brian Branch, Christian uh, Gonzalez, <clears throat> Joey right, Porter Jr., DJ Turner, uh, Devon Witherspoon, mm-hmm. Keely Ringo, Emmanuel Forbes, uh, Clark Phillips the third. Deontay Banks. Did you even did you even mention Christian Gonzalez? Yeah, yeah I said, said that. Yeah. Gonzalez, yeah. yeah, I said that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, everybody yeah, says, good. and some people say he's the best corner in this class. A lot of yeah, people. He probably is. I like Joey Porter Jr. As I well. do too. Joey Porter's really good. Tyreek Stevenson's really good. Um, uh, I'm, I guess I'm going to knock a bulldog here. Oh. God forgive me. I'm so sorry. How could you he- slander Keeley? <laughs> Uh, I see him more as a safety in the NFL rather than a cornerback. Mm, okay. You know, I, they have a lot not, of versatile I, guys. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I, you know, uh, I guess that's going to be enough. Again, you're going to have to see how fast he runs in the three cone kind of thing, but, uh, he got beat a decent amount in Georgia and I would probably see him switch to safety rather than stay a corner. Yeah. Cause even this their first championship year, I like Deron Kendrick more as a range, like man to man corner more than what we saw with Ringo, even Ringo playing as well as he did this year, having to adjust to that kind of role. I could, I could see that kind of thing where maybe he's like a press specialist as a corner more than maybe in the slot more than he has a raw outside corner that could just cover man to man. Yeah. There's some, you know, there's some other good dudes too, Deontay Banks and then Cam Smith. Uh, I don't know if I like Forbes that much. No, and sense. and again, when when you look at the 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 picture of this draft class, and I'm not saying that this class isn't going to be any good. I don't I don't believe that. I I think you're going to find some good, great, maybe superstar players in this class. But I I do believe that what we saw last year. I and I I, I would love to get some of those experts on Speedy that said that last year's class is nowhere close to the class that this year's class is. This class doesn't – I mean, there are good players, and, and I've heard of some of these players, but not – I mean, is any of these guys as popular – and I'm not saying this because I'm a Jet fan. Sauce Garner, because of his name, uh, none of these guys, none of these guys are, have the pizzazz of Sauce Garner <coughs> going into oh, the draft. I'm just, I'm just saying. Dude, I'm not saying it. You say, oh, stop. But it's true. It is true. Jeff, you could just brag about being on Sauce First like you like to do. Yeah. Dude, dude, first of all, I was on Sauce First. You were. I was right about Sauce. Right? But people were knocking him before. This is like the whole game people play. You're going to hear this guy's not that good or this isn't that good. None of it's true. Go back to Justin Fields' epilepsy fits. Like, come on, We heard this already. We heard this. Yeah, I mean, this this is – it's just ridiculous. Like – like, try, try to block out the noise. Well, this class is better than that class. You don't really know because you're going to find some gems in later rounds that are going to be good. Look at what the Patriots did. I hate to do the whole Patriots thing. Dude, Jack, Jack Jones was a fifth-round pick. Jack Jones? Terrific player. Yeah, I'm surprised year. he was yeah. that good, yeah. <clears throat> I thought right, he was still so raw. Right, right, so to say, oh, this class or that class or whatever, there's going to be guys buried deep in this draft, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-round guys 
that are just going to play well and you're going to go, wow, like I didn't see that coming. Right. You know, it's going to happen all the time. And there's always going to be guys at the top that don't live up to the top hype, you know? And, you know, a lot of that could be where they're drafted as well, right? Some guys aren't going to fit in some schemes that these NFL teams are trying to, you know, it's like putting the the square peg in the round hole. It's not going to work, dude. Commander's minority owner (laughs) accuses Dan Schneider of misusing a $55 million loan. What does this tell you about Dan Schneider again? That he's a shitbag? I'm going to say one thing about Dan Schneider, and it's really starting to stand out even more about this guy. This guy is a multi-billionaire, okay? And he didn't even want to dig into his own pockets. He was going into the organization's pockets to take money and use it for himself. He is a despicable person. He really is. Uh, for- I mean, that's his, right, that's his right to do it, but in all honesty, he's stealing from the other owner. Right. That's what yeah, that yeah. He, he's been doing that for years, and, and this, is, this is a multi-billionaire, and he doesn't want to dig into his own pocket. He wants to steal <laughs> in his team's pocket, which could be going to the other owners and to his players. He's, he just – and then you – all this with the John Gruden. I, I love what John Gruden is doing right now, and I can't wait until this really hits the, hits the fan. And it will hit the fan soon because this is going to go to court, and John Gruden is going to be sitting in front of the NFL commission and a judge and his lawyer. And I can't wait until he throws Daniel Schneider and the Washington Commanders under the bus. And it's not just going to be him. For the, the Commanders ruined – now, again – John Gruden is a, he is not a very nice man. He's a racist man. We all know that. Those stories, those stuff that he the emails that he sent to the Washington Commanders should have never came out. It should have been protected and sealed. But it came out and it ruined his career. John Gruden will never ever coach in the NFL again. He will never coach college football again because of this. And 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 yes, this is a guy that is very well-respected, was very well-respected. He had camps that he was doing for quarterbacks in the summertime. He can't do that anymore. What parent is going to send their kid to go and go to his camps if they're African-American, Puerto Rican, Dominican, because he's racist? Nobody. Nobody's going to send their kid to one of his camps. And we just saw today or, or yesterday they had the NFLPA actually had the uh, work, despicable workplace rankings in terms of like team culture facilities. Oh, and the all Cardinals. Like that. I guess who was number thirty-two? The Washington Commanders. No, well, no why they, am I no, not surprised? No, the one that was last was the Arizona Cardinals. Well, I saw, oh no, I saw thirty-two Commanders. Cardinals were thirty-one. Chargers were thirty. It was, it was got, I saw. Did they, they just got, change they got, it? No, the card. Yeah, the Cardinals. I saw the tweet earlier. It was the Cardinals got F minus in every category. Uh, I I saw the rankings. It was the NFL and ESPN page. It was Commanders thirty two, where the Cardinals thirty one, and then uh, Chargers were thirty. Maybe I saw I saw the tweet earlier, and it was not great. I saw the whole Cardinals thing, but I, I don't think the, I don't think the I don't think the Commanders scored higher than like even like a C plus in anything. Like I think the 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 highest ranked thing they had was I think their strength training facility or something like that. Like well, it, yeah, well you know the place sucks when like they they feel torn apart. They, well, yeah, they tried to kill Jalen Hurts with their stadium. All those people and the railing broke, and then all tried to fall on Jalen Hurts. 
That was crazy. Now, the I'm obviously, sure obviously, I don't know if anybody knows, uh, the owners are sitting down this weekend. They're going to be speaking about who could take over, who could be the new owner of this team. Jeff Bezos is is definitely one of the guys. This other guy, Harris, I think his name is. Josh Harris. Well, they're blocking, Josh well, they're blocking Bezos. Yeah, right now, they're trying they're, to. They're yeah. trying to, but... They're sitting down. All the owners are sitting down this weekend, and they're going to discuss on um, what they're going to do moving forward and how they're going to vote uh, moving forward for the next and new owner of this Washington Commanders team. I think Jeff Bezos would be a great fit with Washington. He will rebuild. He will rebuild that stadium. Uh, he's a, a Washington native, a guy that is very well respected around that Washington area, and I think right now. Uh, with the big picture and what the NFL ownership and what the NFL owners would want to do is this guy is the richest man in the world. Okay. This guy has all the money in the world to help the NFL grow. Look what he did with Amazon. Look what he did with the TV deals and all that other stuff that he has done. I think this makes a lot of sense to let Bezos take over for the commanders and rebuild that organization, which once was one of the most respectable teams in NFL, in the NFL. I mean, I've been saying that for years that mm-hmm. Bezos was going to try to get that team. Yep. Years. Yep. I've been yep. saying. And when they do, that's it for the rest of the NFC East. Jerry Jones is all of a sudden going to be the little fish in the big pond because Bezos is here to wreak havoc. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's an organization that needs somebody that can go in there, a.k.a. the New York Mets, a guy that has money that can help rebuild uh, the, the face of that organization, which the face has just been smashed around by Dan Schneider. Dan Schneider has ruined that organization. And, and here's another thing. For anybody to say that, well, his wife is running the team and she's, the, she's this and she's that, the fact that – Dan Schneider would do something so despicable like that to leave his wife in charge because he's trying to protect his asset is despicable as a man. He's not a man. He is not a man. And uh, and and for him, I hope he goes to jail. He, he it just everything he's touched, he's ruined. He's hurt. He has hurt the organization as a whole. And even look, all the the sexual things that you've heard him do. When it comes to the cheerleaders and some of the people that worked for him. Writers and pl- uh, reporters. Reporters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and for anybody not to hide this as long as they have. This guy's owned the team for how long? 20 years? I think it's 2000, yeah. 20 years he's owned this team. And people were brushing this under the rug. Things are going to come out. And the NFL, and yes, Roger Goodell is going to be responsible for some of this. Because Roger Goodell is one of those guys because he tries to protect the owners. And he tries to protect his asset. And he doesn't really open his mouth and say the things that he should be saying about Daniel Schneider. And you want to know something? If it is true... That Roger Goodell knew what was going on with, with the Washington Commanders. At any point, he should not only be fired. He, the 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 league should never should never give him an option or give him options of having those lifetime benefits that he is going to have when he leaves the NFL. It, it, it's just despicable. Yeah, it might be coming to the point where because this case is being. Uh, not just this one case, but all of Snyder's cases are being t- taken to the highest level. They had to give, grant subpoenas on this most recent one too to some of the highest court levels. It might not even just be the NFL. It might be might be justice systems that have to force both Stan Snyder out and eventually Roger. Let Goodell, me ask like you a question. Let me ask you. Let, I'm sorry to cut you off. Let me ask you guys a question. 
Do you does anybody believe that Roger Goodell knew nothing about this? Come on. I'm not trying to. Th- I don't know the truth, but we're sitting here. This guy is running. He's the commissioner of the NFL. He has been there for a while, and he knows Daniel Schneider very well. As a matter of fact, him and Daniel Schneider are good friends. Do you believe, Jeff? You you watch football. You 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 follow a lot of things. Time time. You follow the NFL. Do you think that Roger Goodell knew nothing about what was going on in Washington? Yeah, he probably did, but I'm a good human, and I'm not going to make a comment on that until there's actual proof. The speculation is ridiculous. Mm. To slander someone like that, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. He, yeah, he probably knew, but let, let's wait for the evidence to come out before we start slamming him. Because I know that slamming Roger Goodell is our favorite thing to do. No, it's not. Anyone, right? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, I don't slander Roger Goodell as much as you think I do. I should do it more because the guy's an idiot. Okay. And, and, and one of the most successful commissioners. Great, me and you could be successful. Successful too. If if well, you made me, if could. if listen, if you made me the commissioner of the NFL and you want me to get endorsements and and commercial deals and all that other stuff, I'm sure it wouldn't be a problem <clears> for me. Okay, not a problem because everybody and their mother would want to endorse with me because I'm running the biggest organization in the world. Okay, so I'm sorry. As smart as Roger Goodell, everybody thinks is me, you, Speedy, and some idiot on the street probably can run the organization, the NFL as a Def- as a full. No, 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 no. Okay. The flood definitely couldn't. I knew you were going to say <laughs> at full, but but anyways, uh, uh, the Ravens wide receiver Rashad Bateman calls out GM Eric Ducosta uh, for comments made about the Ravens wide receivers and Lamar Jackson. Here's what I'm going to say about this. I understand Steve, uh, I understand Rashad Bateman. He has not been the player that everybody thought he was going to be. He was drafted a few years ago uh, as a first-round draft pick. Everybody thought he was going to be a number one target for Lamar Jackson for years to come. This kid came in his rookie season, couldn't even play in a game. Okay. He couldn't even play his first game as an NFL player. He gets hurt before that. Then this year, he comes in, he plays, what, three games, four games, and then he gets hurt again. All right? I understand that the Ravens do not really, with Lamar Jackson, the way he plays the game, they run first, they run second, and throw third. We all know that. But for him... To open it, he is the worst person to open up his mouth right now. He's not even the best and the number one target right now for the Baltimore Ravens. Who's the number one target right now? Mark Andrews. Okay, has, have you heard Mark Andrews say anything? Has he cried about anything? Now everybody's going to say, "Yeah, they're well, going to pay him first. Well, I, but I understand that. But Mark, everybody and their mother will pay Mark Andrews, even if they don't. Everybody, he's the best tight end in football. Well, besides Travis Kelsey, right? All right. He is he's as good as any tight end in football right now. He is their number one target. Okay? You haven't heard Mark Andrews say anything of a sort. Why? I repeat, why are we hearing a, a guy who hasn't done anything, anything for this organization yet? He has not been even the centerpiece of this offense or even a small piece of this offense. Why is he speaking? 
Well, it's a modern identity that the Ravens still have not been able to evolve yet because the Ravens have struggled with the wide receiver position for quite a while. It's not just him, too. We have other first-round picks. Remember Rashad Perriman yep. that uh, nope. people reached on? Nope. He re- they reached on. Uh, everyone thought he was more of a second-round pick. They took him at the end of the first. They tried that. That didn't work. They tried drafting Hollywood Brown, which a lot of people thought was a first-round And then pick. they traded him away. We they understand that, away. but yep. there was a reason why they traded him away, by the right. way. So it just comes to that where they've had issues with that position for quite a while, and they still haven't been able to adjust to it accordingly. Whatever philosophy they've tried to use with it, I thought was going to change with Bateman. Now, again, the injuries have held him back where he missed a lot of his rookie season and a lot of this season and, and he never made it fully develop. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't be the one speaking, but he also should bring, bring awareness to the fact that the Ravens still have not gotten that mold of that modern identity changed for them yet. They've done great at everything else. Defense, they draft very well. Running game, they draft very well. They find running backs late in the draft to make it work. Offensive linemen, they do well for the most part. But they haven't been able to get a passing attack going and in today's NFL that's going to be very hard you can get away with having either a good receiving core or a quarterback that can make these receivers and still be able to get away with the rest of the team the Ravens have right now the opposite approach but they're hurt on the receivers and they're hurt on trying to pay their quarterback and keep their quarterback happy because of that Bateman takes a shot on DaCosta after saying at the combine when he was asked uh, about their issues draft, drafting wide receivers. If I had to, if I had an answer, that would probably mean I would have some better receivers. Bateman tweeted, "How about you play to uh, how do you, how about you play to your players' strengths and stop pointing your fingers at at us and number eight? Blame the one you let do this." Hollywood Brown recently <clears throat> traded by the Ravens responded to Bateman's <clears throat> tweet by saying, "Let him cook." Okay, and then the Ravens uh, have not had a thousand yard receiver since Mike Wallace in 2016. Marquise Brown has had um, has had the most receiving yards by a wide receiver since then with 769 yards in 2020. Uh, The Ravens have had uh, to rely on a lot of free agent wide receivers to help them previous years that were pro bowlers on other teams, including Lee Evans, Derek Mason, Anquan Bolden, and Steve Smith. The Ravens have had drafted four wide receivers in the first round in in franchise history, including Bateman. Uh, The previous three did not make uh, did not make it past their rookie contracts. So this is a huge problem. And Lamar Jackson, who's expecting a lot of money. If I was Lamar Jackson right now, if I was Lamar Jackson right now, and I, Jeff, I have, I have a question to ask you on this one. If you sit here today and I want all the money I possibly can, even getting the money from the Baltimore Ravens, do I want to stay on the Baltimore Ravens? Um, do I believe the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a Super Bowl contender in the next five or six years. I could go anywhere else and get the money that is what I am asking for right now at two hundred or two hundred and fifty million dollars guaranteed. Why, would, if I was Lamar Jackson, Jeff, and if you were Lamar Jackson, would you want to stay with the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I think I would. Why? He's got all the leverage. They're going to pay him the most money because they have no choice, so he's going to stay there. And they're always competitive. They always put a pretty good defense on the field. They already have a good tight end there. 
their running game is straight because they have uh, Dobbins and is Gus Edwards still there? Is yeah, he, he was hurt a lot last year. So Dobbins right, is going they, to be gone have, this year. They, they, they Dobbins like three, is a free agent, isn't he? Yeah, next year. Oh, so one Dobbins, more year on his rookie contract. But they had like, but they had like three running backs. Regardless, there was like three of them that were pretty good. Their defense is always good. Like, yeah, I would probably stay there. Like, I, I honestly would probably stay there. I, I, I don't think I, I, I don't wouldn't. Think as bad as people. I wouldn't because look at look at all the first round draft picks that they have drafted at the wide receiver position. None of them is, have been successful. None of them, and and you don't you have not given a guy like Lamar Jackson the weapons that he that, needs. I don't think that I don't think I don't think that's you know the the fact that they worked out. I don't think that that's like the the receiver's fault really at all. Like a lot of it is to be honest, uh, the guys calling the place. Maybe right? they're but- not. We've also seen, though, Greg Roman do well with the Niners when it comes to their veteran receivers when Alex Smith was there and Colin Kaepernick was there when he was coaching Harbaugh. So I I don't think there's that much of a discrepancy. Bolden was a mutual guy to both teams, the 49ers and the Ravens, and did well with both of them. And then Michael Crabtree was pretty good over there with the Niners. So I still don't know if it's necessarily all that either, though. I think Michael Michael Crabtree, you're hanging your hopes on Michael Crabtree. Is that what you're doing? who's better than any receiver the Ravens have had. The Ravens have had good receivers. They just don't use them. They didn't throw him the football at all. But I think the other thing, too, is another thing Bateman was mentioning was the injuries, too, with these receivers. They, like, they, don't, they don't protect them well. Like They put them in bad situations <clears throat> because they have to do everything in I certain schemes, too. How many passes is Lamar Jackson throwing in? Let's be honest. How many passes is he throwing in? Most of the time... They're either calling a running play or they're calling a RPO for Lamar Jackson to run with the football. That has a lot to do with the talent that's on the field, Jeff. They had guys that, that could catch. They still had Hollywood Brown. They still had Mark Andrews, who's one of the best tight ends in the game. They're not throwing the ball very much. Lamar Jackson they're averaged not. 27.16 pass attempts per game. That's not a lot. This most, teams are thro- most teams are throwing the ball 35 times. He's throwing the ball 15 less times a game than any other quarterback. Which is, again, which worked for them in 2019 in his MVP season. And I think that's what Bateman is getting at more is they've kind of been reluctant to evolve. It's good to have that concept in your game. No question. You need RPOs in today's game. You need motion in today's game. But you still need to throw. But that's all they're doing. Right, which is fine to be counter uh, – like the Ravens are kind of that counterculture to an extent, which you can get away with in certain instances if you have the coaching to do that. If you have – like like the Chiefs have it with Andy Reid. Like Andy Reid knows how to get these gadget players and these lesser wide receivers to play with that system. But you still need to be able to evolve to keep your receivers happy or right, get I, depth I, or something I, like that, which they have refused to do. Like the Ravens have all these draft picks that they draft well in other positions. Like – don't pay all these other guys the money. Pay wide receivers or something like that. Or pay the amount of stock draft stock in order to get a better wide receiver. More of a sure thing. Yeah, and I, I if I was Lamar Jackson... Well, there's no such thing as a sure thing. All right, but, but it's close you can get to it. If story. I was Lamar Jackson, I would be looking towards either getting traded and getting the money somewhere else. I just don't... I think, I think you're going to see a big change this year with, with Todd Munkin. I think Todd Munkin... Like, if you look at what Todd Munkin did at Georgia... He plays a more modern style. Greg Roman doesn't do that. Doesn't do that. Todd Munkin knows these these modern players. It's not the same game it used to be. It's the same complaint I have when I when I go off on Jim Harbaugh. The game has passed some of these people by, and they need to incorporate some some younger people uh, calling plays. Todd Munkin's going to do that. I think the Ravens are going to have a much better offense this year. 
Well, they better he better get their win their players over quickly because it doesn't seem like a lot of players like what the organization the direction's going in right now. <laughs> well, J.K. Dobbins you, was the first one well, to take a shot at the, at the after the playoff game, and now it's continued you, to Bateman. Would you like that though, Speedy? Put yourself in Bateman's position because everyone's knocking Bateman for what he said, but in reality, Bateman's just responding to to what the GM did. Oh, I would just draft better players, and specifically, oh, I just draft better wide receivers. So really? why why does the GM have to say that though? That's exactly the point. Why is he saying that? You can have that feeling, but why air it out in public? Why do you need to do that? That seems like he's kind of punching down a little bit there, and I think Bateman's right to be like, ah, go stuff it. Uh, Charles Barkley takes shots at today's NBA players and load management, uh, saying we're paying bums in today's NBA. Uh, you know, he was on first take uh, this past week. Uh, he says, I don't think fans get mad if you're making 30, 40, 50 million dollars if you play basketball every night. But you can't make 30, 40, 50 million dollars and then sit out games. I think it's disrespectful to the game. I think it's disrespectful to the fans. These fans are playing their hard they're paying their hard-earned money. Uh, Barkley added that the NBA extended the All-Star break and reduced back-to-backs to accommodate the players and that the current NBA is paying bums today. Uh, Barkley also took shots at Kevin Durant, saying uh, he will not truly cement his legacy unless he wins an NBA title as the clear-cut best player and leader of his team. So Barkley comes out and takes his, takes his shots at Kevin Durant, takes his shots at players. Now, Barkley came in a time and played in a time, I think, where the NBA was very dominant. Look at all the great players that he played with. I mean, the USA team, all those things, the Magic Johnsons, the uh, the Larry Birds, and, and all those great players, the Michael Jordans, the Scottie Pippins, the Chris Ma- there were There were a slew of great players. I'm not saying that the NBA doesn't have great players right now, but they're all prima donnas. They're all prima donnas. And Michael Jordan said, Something on The Last Dance that really stood out to me. He said, it didn't matter. It didn't matter how unhealthy I was or how sick I was. Everybody was paying to see me play, and I wanted to be out there so everybody could see me play. Okay? When you have LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving sit there and... And uh, say the things that they say on and off the court, and then say, you know what, I I want to sit out, uh, you know, every other game. Or I want to sit out one game every single week. These fans are paying thousands and thousands of dollars to go and watch these guys play, thousands, and for them to not go and play in those games. Because listen, I, I'm a Knicks fan. All right, LeBron James goes. Uh, with the, with the Lakers to Madison Square Garden, decides to sit that night. He's a hundred percent healthy, healthy, and I'm paying. I mean, the cheapest ticket in Madison Square Garden right now is probably around three four hundred dollars, and they're in the boondocks. Okay, and LeBron decides to sit out that night. I would be ultra pissed to go and pay. I don't want to watch the Lakers. Who do I want to watch on the Lakers? Anthony Davis. Come on. I, I, I'm i done with Anthony Davis. That team stinks. 
The only reason why I would want to go and see the Lakers play is LeBron James. And he's the one that's sitting on the bench playing and twiddling his thumbs. I think Charles Barkley has every right to say this. Charles Barkley is a Hall of Famer. Charles Barkley was a great player. He's an MVP. He played on one of the greatest teams assembled. He's right about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant will never be respected in this league, even when he's done and he's retired. I don't care how many championships he's won. I don't care if he wins five. He wins two more with Phoenix or three more with Phoenix. Nobody's going to care because he couldn't do it on his own team. He was there with OKC. He had Russell Westbrook. He had James Harden. He couldn't get over the hump. Then he had Russell Westbrook. They were one game away from knocking off knocking off the Golden State Warriors. And then he decides to leave to go and play for Golden State the next year and, being, and becomes the MVP back-to-back years with Golden State. It is embarrassing, okay? Here's another thing that Barkley said about Kevin Durant. Barkley... Also said about Durant, uh, um, has to win a championship with the Suns if he even wants to be in the conversation as one, um, as uh, in the conversation with the greatest players ever. He's never going to be compared to the greatest players ever, even if he won a championship with Phoenix. Uh, Barkley, He's not even the greatest player in his position. No, now. not even question. No, no question. Yep. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, if you go back and look at LeBron James, who I really admire and respect, he said, I had to win a championship without Dwayne Wade to get old heads respect. Kobe Bryant said this, too. He said that I, I have to win a championship without Shaquille O'Neal uh, to get these old heads off my back. I hold Kevin Durant to the, the same criteria. So, to me... Kobe Bryant was never when Kobe when Shaquille O'Neal decided to go to Miami and move move from Los Angeles. It took Kobe Bryant like two years to win it to win another championship, and they had to add Paul, Paul Gasol to the team and and all these other players to help him win. Now you need players to help, but even then, Kobe Bryant he needed help. LeBron James, we've seen LeBron James do it with teams take teams from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, where there was nobody, when his best, his second best player was Larry Hughes. So I, again, I can't compare Kevin Durant to the talent that LeBron James is because LeBron James has done it with less. Now, yeah, everybody's going to sit here and says, "Well, he didn't win a championship until he played on a super team, and he's the one that changed the game because he built the super teams." And then he went to Cleveland, he built a super team over there. Those super teams that he built, those super teams that he went to. If he wasn't on those teams, they would have never won. They would have never won. Kevin Durant went to Golden State. Did they win before 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 Kevin Durant played there? Mm-hmm. They did. Now Phoenix is the only team that didn't do that, and I still think Phoenix has. Uh, they had a chance last year. They were. What was it last year? They were in the two the years final, ago. No, they, two years they were in yeah, the finals. Two nothing against the Bucks, and then they lost the Nas four. Right, and that, that had a lot to do with you know Chris Paul, you know looking like he was old and getting tired, and that's what usually Chris Paul does in the playoffs. And DeAndre Ayton for getting out of score. (laughs) Yeah. And then Kevin Durant responds to Charles Barkley, I don't need no credit from you all. No credit from Barkley. No credit from Shaq. Y'all don't ever have a watch, have to watch me play ever again. Don't talk about me if you don't rock with me. That's what he says. And you you know what it is? 
these these players are prima donnas. That's what they are. They're all prima donnas. They're worried. They're so worried about what Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley says. These guys. These guys are two of the best at their position. How many people, honestly, Charles Barkley was a power forward, small forward when he came into the league. How many people could you would you take over Charles Barkley of all time at his position? Maybe seven or eight. He's one of the top ten players at his position. Shaquille O'Neal, I would probably take one. One guy over Shaquille O'Neal. Bill Russell would be the only center I would take over Shaquille O'Neal of pure dominance at the time that he dominated. So that and, and you're and Kevin Durant's taking shots at those guys. By the way, Shaquille O'Neal, the three times that he won a championship with Kobe Bryant, who was the MVP? Shaquille O'Neal. Charles Barkley. This is a guy that went to Phoenix, and the Phoenix, the, that Phoenix Sun team, Johnson and, and all the players that they had over there, that team was not any good. Okay? Go look at that roster. They were not a good roster. He took that team all the way to the NBA Finals and played an unbeatable Michael Jordan in Chicago Bulls. Uh, Keith also says Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Would you take Shaq over him? I would take Shaq over him. And I I know what you're going to say about that. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a better all-around offensive player than Shaquille O'Neal. But when it comes to dominance, pure dominance of what he did, and and Kareem wasn't even the best player on his team as he got older. It was Magic Johnson. So... I, Kareem is a great player. I, I've never saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play, so I can't really say you know what what everybody else thinks. But I, I when I watched Shaquille O'Neal for the five or six years where he was the most dominant player in the league, I, I, there was nobody even close to him. Nobody, even with Kobe Bryant and all those other players in the league, he was the best player in the league. Okay, so at at, at what three hundred and ten pounds. And uh, he couldn't shoot a free throw, and he couldn't shoot a three-point. Well, he hit one. Well, he only hit more three-point shots than Ben Simmons. That's for sure. That's not saying much. But I, I mean, <sighs> Shaquille O'Neal, he's he's a special player. Kareem is one of the best ever, and Sha- as as was Shaquille O'Neal. Um, I'm not taking shots at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm just telling you what I thought. I I think Bill Russell was the best center of all time. And I think Shaquille O'Neal, who nobody gives enough respect for what he did as a dominant force uh, for those Laker teams, he was the by far the best player on those rosters. By far. So, and, and as good as Kobe Bryant is, and everybody says, oh, Kobe's top five player of all time, which I think they're on drugs, but whatever. So, I, I, and I'm not trying to compare and contrast what these players are. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make a statement here with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, as good of a player that he is, and, and, Second and team. <laughs> whatever, um, this is a guy that has never won on his own. This is a guy that never won on his own team. This is a guy that everybody speaks so highly of on what he is and what he's all about. Why is it that he's always mixed up with the crazy crap, the clown crap that goes on in every organization he played for? When he played for Golden State, how many clown stuff did we hear? It wasn't Steph Curry, even though I can't stand the SOB. Okay, it wasn't Clay Thompson, even though uh, Clay Thompson had his, uh, you know, his clown stuff to say after he played LeBron James in the playoffs. 
No, it was Kevin Durant and the stupid things, uh, the the Twitter feeds and the, the seven. What what are the, what do they call it? Hacker accounts. The hacker accounts and all the stupid things that he did on and off the court. Okay, and 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 that's that's the problem. Every look at the clowns that were in. Look at the clowns that were in Brooklyn. James Harden was an absolute clown. Oh yeah. He was a clown, and he realized he wasn't as big of a clown as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So you oh, know what he told him? You know what he said? He said, I want out of this clown this clown show. Send me over there to the 76ers. I do not want to be in this clown show anymore. Kyrie Irving's the biggest clown in NBA history, okay? He is a clown. And he's a talented clown, but he's a clown. So, And, and Kevin Durant was a part of that clownhood, that circus. And now he pushes his way out to Phoenix, and he thinks he's going to win a championship. I'm going to take back what I said about the Phoenix Suns. If Kevin Durant is speaking like this and, and, and talking the way he is and trying to say and trying to make excuses on because Barkley is attacking him and she's killing him, I said this, and Jeff, we talked about this today, about guys that you made fun of on the show yesterday, uh, you know, a part of the network, okay? And I say, I'll say this. If you are soft... And you have soft skin, this isn't the business you should be in. Okay? Because there are plenty of people that are going to hate you. If you're the center of attention, if you're the like face, you. if you're the face of an organization, if you can't handle somebody saying something bad about you, then you shouldn't be in this business. And that's all I'm going to say about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a joke. He's going to a team that doesn't re- really doesn't need him, okay? That's just what I'm saying. I don't think they need him to win. What they need to do is in the big parts of the game, especially in the playoffs, don't choke. And 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 Chris Paul needs at the if you're going to sit players, sit Chris Paul the last 10 games of the season and make sure that he's fresh for the playoffs cuz he's never fresh for the playoffs ever. And that's why the Phoenix Suns didn't win two years ago in the finals because he wasn't fresh. It wasn't Devin Booker. It wasn't eight DeAndre Ayton. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't their bench. It wasn't. A, it was Chris Paul. You you saw he looked old in the finals. Looked old, and that's why Milwaukee beat him. That's all I'm going to say about that. Charles Barkley has every right to say what he said. He says nobody win- wins on their own. It's completely different players from different eras. And if true, he was agreeing with you on the era adjustment, which, yeah, it seems pretty indicative because it's always a drama with every – it seems like every player in the NBA, not just KD. And no, I'm not saying you, 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 you can win on your own. I'm saying that what Barkley is saying, it's not about winning on your own. Barkley is complaining that – Kevin Durant is never going to win on his own, on his own team. He wanted to go to Brooklyn and form his own top team. He did. He went over there. He went with Kyrie Irving. He went with James Harden. He did everything, and he never could get over the hump. They couldn't even get – they couldn't – did they go to the Eastern Conference Finals? No. I don't even think they even went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Nope. Okay? As good of the players that they have. When everybody saw James Harden, do we remember when James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets and how many people said, "Uh uh-oh, watch out, the Brooklyn Nets are going to win two or three championships. I remember, and everybody was speaking about that, and the New York Knicks are idiots, they're a bunch of losers, they don't know what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's also true. But whatever. Just for the Knicks to only make it one round less than the Nets that year. (laughs) Yeah, and and you want to know something? 
Look what the next look what the Knicks have done. They went fishing in the offseason. They bring in a player like Jalen Brunson and they 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 hit a home run on it. They hit a home run on a player that the Dallas Mavericks should have signed last year. Last year. And now yeah. and I I know you're going to sit there and say eh but you want to know something? The Knicks right now are a fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. Could wind up as a fourth seed. And and ooh. this team, I know you say ooh, but you want to know something? You say ooh. They beat your Celtics twice, back to back times. So awesome. Yeah, and, and they're the greatest team I didn't, on earth. I they didn't, beat the Celtics. Twice. I did not say that, Jeff. But I'm not, so you may, you're 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 making jokes about the Knicks and you're you're putting them down when the the Knicks right now are the hottest team in basketball. They're playing good wow. basketball. Good. They're playing good basketball, and they're beating good teams. It's not like they're beating crappy teams. They're beating good teams. Keith says, look at Dallas without Jalen as well. Yes, seven seed right now in the West, where there were four last year. And uh, in reference to the Nets, also swept by Boston. Yes, we're aware. Yeah, and, I, and again, I don't know where. Because they the, got first team players. I don't know where the, where, the, where the Knicks are going to be going into the playoffs. I don't. But they they overachieved this year. I, I think they 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 got very lucky finding a player like Jalen Brunson. He actually wanted to come to New York, and 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 that's something that says a lot about Jalen Brunson and his character. He wanted to come in New York. It's not easy to play in New York, and he's playing and he's 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 having his best season as an NBA player. He's twenty six years old. He's going into a prime of his career, and the Knicks have something special, and they're not paying him top dollar to be a point guard on this this NBA at New York Knicks team. So. I, I think that if you're a Knicks fan, if you're if you've been following Knicks all these the Knicks all these years and looking for the next big thing or the big point guard that they haven't had it's since Walt Frazier, well, it is it is you you make jokes, but if the Knicks could add if the Knicks could add another star to this team in the off season, whatever if they can add another star to this team in the off season, they can compete against any team in the Eastern Conference, and you say they won't. But uh, there's a lot of people that believe that the Knicks could knock off the Milwaukee Bucks. There's a lot of people that believe that they could knock off no, the Boston no, Celtics. Knicks fans believe. No, no not at all. Do you watch NBA? the NBA tonight? Because everybody, no. they match up very well against the Celtics. They match up very well. If they keep Mitchell Robinson healthy, they match up very well against the Boston Celtics. Very well. And you could say whatever you want. As a matter of fact, as good and as big as the Celtics are, the Celtics have had problems rebounding against the Knicks the last two games. Go look. They won't once Robert Williams is healthy. Yeah. Robert will take care of that. Yeah. Goal. He's been Call playing. Call him Windex. He's glass cleaner. You know what I'm saying? Let's get Jalen Brown back from a broken face. Let's get the best defender in basketball, who you say is not top ten, Marcus Smart back on the court. Oh, God. Right? Because he's been out, too. He made big difference maker, spark plug for that team, energy guy, glue guy. He matters. Keith, nobody's saying that they can, but I'm telling you what people have said. And they do match up very well against Boston. They do. They do. They do. And 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 with in in anything with sports, anything's possible. We've seen this before. Okay, whatever. Whatever. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for calling. Four, Four games. Good night, Jeff. Thank you. The two best teams right now still playing are Boston teams, the Boston Celtics and the Boston Bruins. Goodbye, Jeff. To two parades this Thank year. you, Unless Jeff. You were in a parade. Never. No parades for you. Thank you, Jeff. He is a pain in my ass. 
Uh, he really is. Keith also says that he got a job, too, with the Knicks. Yes, that's why the Knicks start call for tampering charges, we know. Now listen, a second-round draft pick, I would take that. No, they, I, I don't care. They got Jalen Brunson for a second-round draft pick. That's what they got him for. Yeah, pretty much. Knicks. Does that really Keith, hurt the nobody, Knicks? Keith, you can't, you can't possibly do that. The Knicks have, what, seven or eight first-round draft picks coming to them in the next four years? Yep. You think the Knicks care if they lost a second-round draft pick for arguably one of the top six point guards in the NBA now? Why would the Knicks care? I, I, honestly, I, I would have given up a first-round draft pick for Jalen Brunson. Honestly. Yes, he, he is. is underpaid. Yep. Yeah, so is R.J. Barrett, yep. what the Knicks gave him. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is underpaid. Look at the look at the players that look at the contracts the Knicks gave to some of these players. They're all the only overpaid player is a guy that he can't get rid of, Mister Three Point Shot. Mm-hmm. They tried to trade him at the trade deadline. Well, yeah, and Mitchell Robinson's just got to stay healthy, but it's definitely a tradable contract for sure. And Randall Julius Randall too is a horrible contract. Yeah. It's a horrible contract, and, and the Knicks need to figure it out. If, 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 even if the Knicks make a run to the second round and maybe even make it to the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, they need to trade Julius Randle. He is a bricklayer. He is not. And, Keith, you say he's okay. He's not. But not worth the value and not worth the team uh, efficiency. He is us. holding this team back for the development of Obi Toppin. He is hurting the development of these young players. Because he's hogging up 42 minutes a game. When Obi Toppin, who you drafted as your fifth pick, is not getting enough time on the court to develop. Remember when they brought him to the team, when when they brought Obi Toppin to the team, he was 24, 25 years old. He was an older rookie. Now Obi Toppin's going into his third year. He's what, 27? How many years does Obi Toppin have left to really develop his skill to be, uh, you know, even a 16, 17-point guy off the bench? And especially they got to pay him soon, so well, you have enough time to be able to justify that. I think in the offseason, the Knicks have to figure out what they're doing with Julius Randle. That's, that's a very important thing uh, going into the offseason because I understand James Dolan loves Julius Randle. I understand he's a good player and he's an all-star. You know, he's been a back to the— He's been an all-star practically all, all the years that he's been here. The guy doesn't play well in big games. He doesn't. Go look at his numbers the last time he was in the playoffs against Houston. He's not good. Okay? he's just, And I know everybody says, how could you say he's not good when he's averaging a double-double and you know, he's averaging like six or seven assists, he rebounds, he, he does everything, he steals, he plays defense. Good. Good for him. They need to trade him. They need to find somebody that could shoot. They needed somebody that could, uh, you know, help a guy like. Could you imagine if Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson was on a team right now? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine what the Knicks would be? I would say the Knicks are a second seed. Could they? They could be a second Minimum seed of right three, now. I think they would be the second seed right now in the NBA. The way Jalen Brunson is playing, I, I think they're a second seed. Yes, Keith also says he's very streaky. Yeah, Who? Who's very streaky? Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah, yes. He's, he's on a hot streak right before the All-Star break, fine. But, again, like Errol was saying, the efficiency is not there for the other players. For, I, 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 I dis- you know, Keith keeps saying third. I disagree about Boston. I, I don't think Boston is as good as everybody thinks they are. I, I really don't. I, I think they're they're practically the same team they were last year. They added a point guard. That's it. 
What did they add in the offseason? Have they really – have they been better? Have they gotten better? I don't think they have. Jason Tatum's had a very good season. Jalen Brown obviously is having his best season. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're they're an unbeatable team. Milwaukee is more unbeatable oh, yeah. than the Boston Celtics. I think the Knicks match up very well against Boston. And do I think the Knicks could beat them in a seven-game series? No. But do I think they can take it to a seventh game and scare them and maybe pull it off? Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's a matter of the wing depth for the Knicks, if they could match up with the wings for the Celtics. The wings for the Celtics are probably the best collectively in the Eastern Conference, maybe in the league right now, especially if Tatum does play like that MVP self in the playoffs. Go look at Jason Tatum's numbers and Jalen Brown's numbers against the Knicks this year. Mm-hmm. Go but, look at their numbers. Yeah, no, no, there's no, there's no doubt the Knicks have actually had some good game plannings. And now the question is with the Knicks: is that game plan going to compensate them from whether double teaming or over guarding him too much, or other players start to strive? Will be another question because Al Horford's always played well in the playoffs, and like Jeff was saying, Robert Williams was an impact player when he did come back later in that postseason for the Celtics, and even offensively, he was a lot better than expected. Jason too. Tatum in on February 27th against the Knicks, he played 37 minutes. 14 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists. That was that was the, the last game he played against it. I'm going to pick up all his games that he played against the Knicks this year. Go look at Jason Tatum's numbers and Jalen Brown's numbers against the Knicks this year. They're not good. They're not. So, to, Keith, I disagree with you. You say that, that the Knicks can't beat Boston. They have defended Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum uh, arguably uh, MVP candidate this year, to a T, okay? So to say that the Knicks can't beat them in a seven-game series, they have nothing to lose. Boston has everything to lose. They were in the finals last year. The Knicks, are if they get into the playoffs, that's a, that's a plus for them. They're overachieved this year with a player that nobody thought was going to be as good as he is. So to say that the Knicks don't have a chance... Against uh, the Celtics, I disagree. I think the Knicks match up very well against the Celtics. They could beat the Celtics. Keith says Randall will lay an egg in the playoffs. Yeah, probably he will. The way he but yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Th- that doesn't mean that the Knicks can't beat the Boston Celtics if Julius Randall doesn't have a good game. Because they have another option in Jalen Brunson, who, by the way, hasn't laid an egg all season long. He's played well all season long. If you're getting 30 points or 28 points from another player on the team and you get enough on the bench, and the Knicks have one of the best benches in the league. As a matter of fact, the Knicks are ranked number one in bench points in the NBA. And they might have the sixth man in Quigley. So to sit here and say, hey, you know what? The Knicks cannot beat the Boston Celtics. I disagree. Boston is so top-heavy. Their bench is, eh, it's not that great. And Marcus Smart, yes, he plays a big part of what they're going to do when they make the playoffs. But guess what? Marcus Smart's missed the whole season. He's coming back for the playoffs. Are you going to depend on a guy that hasn't even played all season long? I'm telling you, I wouldn't. So to sit here and say, oh, the Knicks don't have a chance against Boston. I disagree. Keith, I disagree. Milwaukee's the only team that scares me where I could say, I don't know, I don't think the Knicks have a chance. But but again, Boston, I, 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 don't, I don't trust them. I don't. 
I don't think Boston's going to the finals. I don't. I don't think they're beating Milwaukee. As a no, matter of fact, I think I think Boston gets knocked out in the second round. Ooh. Okay. I, I don't I don't think they're good. I think they're overrated. I think they've been overrated all season and it's starting to it's starting to show. And again, if you don't believe me, Keith, go look at Jason Tatum's numbers and Jalen Brown's numbers against the Knicks this year. Even the games that they won, they weren't good. You think it, let's say Cleveland beats the Knicks in the first round. You think the Cleveland could knock off Boston too? I'm sorry, what was the question? Do you think Cleveland, if uh, if they knock yes. off the Knicks, would beat Boston too? Yes. Okay. I think the I think the only team that could beat Milwaukee is Milwaukee. That's the only team that could beat Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. They have to beat themselves. They don't show up, and they they would have went to the finals last year if they had Chris Middleton. Yeah, because they took him to seven games as it was and played tight defensively. It was just their offense had some issues in certain games late. Mm-hmm. I think when, when you look at where the Knicks are and what the Knicks are proving to be this year, it's been a great season. And Tom Thibodeau should be up for coach of the year. I didn't want Tom Thibodeau to come back next year. I, I didn't. I wanted uh, Atkinson to take over for this team. I, I really do. I think he'll help help the younger players develop. And uh, Kenny has, you know, decided not to take the Charlotte Hornets job, maybe because I thought he th- he thought that the Knicks job would be open uh, for the taking going into the offseason this year. But I, unless Tom Thibodeau retires, I think he comes back next year with the season that they've had. Yeah. So, I mean, am I wrong, Speedy? No, I, I would imagine so, too. I, he, he's done nothing wrong to sway them away right now. Their defense has been iffy when it comes to Robinson's injury, but they're still top 10 in defensive efficiency. They've still been good with perimeter defense, really good perimeter defense. And he's finally evolved where even though the ratio with minutes is still not ideal for some of the young players, it's better from where it was last year, which is show that these actually, the Knicks brass is actually saying, alright, play the younger players more. They actually have a set rotation now with their wings that's a little more, a little better where they're getting more even playing time. It'll be interesting. Um, again, uh, it was a great show. Thank you uh, to Rob Tobb for joining us, NHL.com media producer. Thank you to BD uh, Galloff for joining us. He was he was fantastic as well. Thank you to all the fans that listened to us. Thank you to Keith. Thank you to Jeff for, for calling up the show and just absolutely driving me crazy, as he always does. Uh, we will be back next week on Wednesday. As always, at 7 p.m., check out the Weekend Crunch, which airs every single Saturday at 7 p.m. on 103.9 FM. If you aren't in a car or you don't live in Long Island within an 80-mile radius, uh, this is what you guys need to do. You guys can go to iHeartRadio, check out LI News Radio, and you can hear us every single Saturday at 7 p.m. Speedy, let me ask you a question. are we on tomorrow at seven? I mean, Saturday at seven p.m. Yes, we are. Islander game is at twelve thirty, so we will be on normal time. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, check out our show on one hundred three point nine at seven p.m. on Saturday. We are looking forward to it. We'll have great guests, uh, moneyline mania as always, and, and great topics as always. And we'll go through the weekend sports. We'll get into the NHL trade deadline as we've been talking about all week. The NBA, Charles Barkley, the NFL. Combine everything all stirred up into two uh, two hours show on one hundred three point nine FM. Until uh, next week, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.